Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to a special holiday edition of the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Uh, today is is the day before Thanksgiving, John, and so we have got a lot of football to talk about. We've got a lot of changes in the football, uh, I guess, sphere to talk about because some games have been delayed, and there's been new starting quarterbacks. John, we got a lot of things on the table, and it's not even Thanksgiving yet. We're going to have to clear this table to make room for a turkey. Yeah, once you clear that table, though, I'm going to put stuff right back on there because I'm hungry, man. I'm I'm ready to eat, whether it's football or Thanksgiving. I'm ready, man. My appetite is is wet, and let's get into this thing. I mean, it's, it's a bummer, though. It is a bummer that, of course, if they're going to move one of the games from Thanksgiving, of course they move the game that we all want to see, which is the division rivalry between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. So that's a bummer, but hey. We'll enjoy the first two games, and by that time at night anyway, with the trip to fan and, and the uh, alcohol or whatever else, we're going to be pretty tired. So I guess it's the night game that is the one that we can move on from. Yeah, and, you know, that, that'll be good family time. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, that'd be good family time, play some board games with the family, do stuff like that later at night. Um, and, and so that's that's always important to be able to do. John, we also have in this show, we're going to give away some uh, our contest winner. But we got a contest winner at Mugs Fly Together and us paired up for a giveaway. And we have that winner who will be revealed, I don't know, sometime halfway in the show. But I've got to warn everybody right now. I am I am babysitting the five-year-old as I do the podcast. She loves me to do the podcast whenever she's around, though. She likes to listen. She likes to hear. She'll, she'll talk to JB sometimes around the house, to be honest with you. She'll talk to JB. She'll talk to Uncle Johnny because I tell her about Uncle Johnny now. And uh <laughs> So, so she knows these people by name, and I don't. I think she's got these little dolls, and I think she started to name them all the different people here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. <laughs> That's quite a lineup she put together there. So I'm glad she's able to listen. And hey, you know, if we hear the background noise, we know what it is. I'm glad to take over the air, and of course, we all got to take care of our family business as well. Oh, I know you're e- you're eager to take over the air. There's no doubt about that. You you went on another show before my show, and you're like, "Hey, man, I'm ready to fire. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's fire it up. Let's go." And I had to say, "Easy now, easy, big fella. We gotta we gotta wait our turn." You're back on the uh, the Bison Network. Yes, I was back on the Bison uh, today. Andy was in charge. Usually it's uh, Jeff Colhane, but Andy's there running the show. We got some nice shout outs for Fantasy Impact today that mentioned multiple times. So I shouted out the gang there, and uh, they got a lot of listeners over there, so it's great. I've been on three weeks in a row, and we keep doing our thing here with Fantasy Impact today. Of course, we have Aaron Torres online, got the John Fasella blog, so we're all over the place, man. Let's and let's you, do this Thanksgiving action. <laughs> and you can find John over on Twitter at Legend Sports Seven on Twitter, and there he does have that post about his uh, article, "How to Win Your Fantasy League." I believe you did that underneath the Christmas tree. Little little gifts uh, from you to people underneath the Christmas tree on how to win their fantasy leagues. That was a good article. Oh, thank you very much, my friend. Yeah, I mean it's it's actually an interesting time of year to make your moves, right? Because my weekly column uh, over at Aaron Torres is really for the waiver wire pickups and also for your DFS plays for the week. Um, I do like a conservative play and then a sleeper play, etc. But this week is interesting because you have a lot of coaches that quit by now. But it's just the mm-hmm. reality of the situation. As much as you and I say, hey, don't, if you're not mathematically eliminated, don't give up. Make a lot of moves. You never know which way the rest of the schedule is going to fall and who's going to lose to a team they're not supposed to. Because this is football. This isn't like basketball where we kind of know right the stats are pretty consistent we i can look at my fantasy basketball leagues before the week and say up this guy's toast i know i'm gonna beat this guy we can sometimes do that in baseball when you got the pitching matchups in your favor but football it could go completely upside down you could pencil everybody on your team in for 14 points and you could go and look and they all got five or six and you had a dead week so Mm -hmm. you really shouldn't give up but as far as the waiver picks go a lot of guys do 
So you're going to have your pickings. Like in my 14-team league, I was really surprised. I'm in second place. I won nine in a row. 14 teams. I didn't even put a dollar in for Justice Hill, and I got him, even though the Ravens' two running backs have COVID. So it was interesting that, you know, I think guys are definitely asleep out there. Yeah, they are. And sometimes these games can sneak up on you. Holiday weeks can get really short, really fast. And so people forget about doing the waiver pickups or anything. Listen, we had somebody quit uh, in our league, in, in, in one of my leagues that I'm in. We had somebody quit. I went up against that team last week, and I am crushing it. I am the highest point total of the league and everything like that. I'm, it's probably the only league I'm doing good in, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's just one of, the, so it's one of those years, man. I got a lot of things on my plate, so I had to concentrate on one league. But um, I, I anyway, I, I played against this team where he didn't even set a schedule. He's got, like, injured players on there and everything. And guess what? I lost. I lost, man. <laughs> How, how, do, how does that happen? I mean, I, and this guy, he's about to make the playoffs. And he's, so it goes back to the tweet that you put out about fantasy football being, what did you say, 75% luck? Yes. Yeah, it's 70, it is 75% luck. You know, I was thinking about that again today because a lot of people have kind of returned to that tweet and then either DM'd me or wrote under it again to keep the conversation going. And they keep bringing it up when I do shows elsewhere. They keep bringing up that same tweet. I was thinking about it today. I specifically remember a league not a couple of years ago even, where the two highest scoring guys in my league were in ninth and 10th place out of 12, and the guy with the least points was in second. So how could you tell me that it was skill? There's no skill there. He literally, every week, he played a team that didn't score a lot of points, and he came in second, and the other guys played the max scorers every week, both of them. They had the most points in the league, and they finished in ninth and 10th. So you can't tell me that it's not luck because they literally had no control over that. They had the best two teams by points. If it was rotisserie, they would have been in first and second. So there you go right there. It's a good example of how they had no control over their results there. No, and, and so one of the things, though, we can do is we try to put the odds in our favor by making good lineup decisions each and every week in fantasy football. What you and I do is we try to mash that fantasy football, that DFS and the Vegas lines all together. And I put out a tweet earlier uh, telling everybody that we were going to be able to reveal the winner from that Mugs Fly Together, that ultimate breakfast challenge that we had or the ultimate breakfast giveaway that we had. And I asked for some questions, and we did get a couple of questions, and I want to just make sure that we address them. So let me fire these things at you real quick before we get into those Vegas lines and I hope I can find them all. I'm having to mash a lot of buttons. I'm having to talk to you at the same time. I've been doing breadman duty all week long. By the way, let me let me let me put this out there before. Let me track this down because I know you got some thoughts on this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure everybody, if you get a chance to, as we go out there and about there during the holiday season. Those essential workers, quote unquote, essential workers who are in the grocery stores, who are keeping businesses open as we go in there and we enjoy our free time with our family or we're buying all these these goodies to bring back to the house. Hey, those people are out there, especially this this year, 2020. I'm not going to say their lives are on the line or anything like that, but there's a good potential that they may be able to get sick from having to work. And 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 as an essential worker myself, a good thank you to me. Uh, when somebody looks me in the eye or, or says thank you, and, and a lot of times those workers in a grocery store or something are always willing to help you. And it's so nice to be able to help people, but it's also nice to return that favor by telling those essential workers, wherever it is, hey, thanks for helping. Thanks thanks for working. Without you, I'd be uh, wiping my tail with a corn cob or something, you know, out, <laughs> out in the yeah, woods. Yeah. 
it's uh it's definitely that time of year to give back not only in terms of gifts but also on what you say to people and it's funny that you say that i had two of those conversations in the last two days i was talking to a, a cop a couple of days ago and dunkin donuts and i was just thanking him for a service and i know that's a hot button issue but we ha- live in a very safe area here and we love our cops and they do a good job for us so i thanked him he was really appreciative super nice guy then the net last night i went to pick up food at the restaurant and the owner of the restaurant goes, hey, we all of us here just want to thank you for always being nice to us when you call in the order and mm-hmm. when you come and pick it up. And I, of course, sent it right back to them because they, they're a really good restaurant. Shout out to La Bottega over here uh, in Nassau County and many different spots. But one thing that I would recommend is you put a little tip on there even when you pick up now. Now, that's different than usual. Of course, we're going to put a tip when they deliver. But because of COVID with restaurants and, and places that are really struggling – you know, put put a little something extra on there, even if you go there and pick it up, just just out of generosity. That's the thing that I've been doing. So that that's something new that I would never do if not for COVID. But I go over there and I'll put another 10 on there, another five on there, whatever it is, just to let them know, hey, we appreciate you putting the order together for us. Even if I got to come and pick it up, hopefully you can put it in the uh, the jar for some of the younger workers that you have there. No. And, and listen, I, I'm a bread man. So I go to a lot of different restaurants on three bread routes here around town. And, and so I'm in a lot of different places, just checking on things, saying hi to people. I'm always a, a friendly guy. And plus I get thirsty. And so I can go in there and get a cup of coffee or a Coke or something like that, you know? Uh, and, and as I say hi to them, what I've noticed is that the, the staff has gotten a lot smaller and the staff has become family members. You know what I mean? Uh, yep. Where they're helping out and they're trying to help keep that restaurant afloat. I'm really afraid that if if the country goes through another shutdown, another lockdown, something like that, and we're not trying to get political here, but uh, if it goes through something like that, there's going to be a lot more restaurants that end up struggling uh, throughout that time. They're just going to have to close the door. I think it's one out of every six restaurants right now are having to close the doors, and that goes with all all businesses by uh, individual owners right now. So just, yes, make sure you say thank you to those guys. And also the, the other thing I wanted to say about this, there's, there's, it, we're in the holidays, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's important. And, and as I say this, somebody may come to your mind. And if that person comes to your mind, what I'm going to encourage you to do is to follow up on it. In the holiday season, there may be those people out there now, especially this year, who aren't able to be reunited even with the extended family that they have. Please make sure that if somebody's not right in front of you, you still think about them. You still pick up the phone. You still say hello. I would encourage you to FaceTime, but I don't even know what FaceTime is. But it, you know, do something to where you're able to reach out to an individual who might be feeling lonely during this time of year uh, and, and may have to turn to other means in order to um, feel wanted or feel desired. So please uh, look for those people. Find those people. If those people come to your mind, reach out to them. Couldn't agree more. It's it's funny that you say that because I don't know if I texted this to you before, but this morning I took a ride out with my dad to go pick up my grandmother for Thanksgiving. She's 99. So we, wow. we thank God she's 99. She still lives by herself, maintains her own household. She's incredible. <laughs> but of course, she's had a lot of isolation and we're going to have a small group. We're very small for my side of the family. It's only going to be about five, six people um, for the for Thanksgiving. So we picked her up and you know, normally I wouldn't take the ride out there because I'm going to see her tomorrow anyway. But I figured, you know, with the way everything's been, it's a good time to put in that extra time with grandma, aunt, uncle, sister, brother, brother-in-law, in-laws, the whole gang. So uh, I'm with Wes all the way on this one. I don't necessarily agree with his football picks, but I agree with him on this one. Yeah, 99? Yes. Really? Honestly. Nin- hey, 99. 99. 
That means you have an opportunity to live into your 90s making all different kinds of lists, John, and putting them over there on John Frisella blog. Hey, uh, top 100 quarterbacks for the last 100 years, you know, something like that. I, boy, that's... That's uh, I know. I I always say that to Nana. I always say, man, you she's seen it all. You know, so I quizzed her because I was watching The Wizard of Oz. Of course, that's a holiday movie that they always play on TNT, uh, an all-time classic. And I was quizzing her on the movie, and I said, uh, what year was Wizard of Oz? Just to see what you would say. She did it. She calculated it by knowing Judy Garland's age at the time of the movie. <laughs> but then, so she got that right. She goes, Judy Garland was 16 or 17 when that movie was made. She was spot on. Judy Garland was 17. When Wizard of Oz was made. But because her life is so long and she's seen so much, she goes, so that must have been like the 60s or the 70s. And, of course, the movie was made in 1939. But her perception is off from being alive for so long. You know, all those decades are middle years to her. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I really like Nana's memory. Me and her yeah. would get along really good. I don't know if either one of us would know what each other is talking about, but we would have a good time talking. You know? Oh, yeah. You would, lo you would love Nana. She, she made the that. apple pie. For Thanksgiving, uh, she made her whatever manigot or Italian stuff, as we say here. She did some baking. She's got a turkey. She did it herself. Ninety-nine years old, so you you awesome. be a big fan of hers. All right. So here's the question: If you uh, here here's the question: If you had Bridgewater or Taysom Hill, which one would you start this week? I gotta go Taysom Hill. I gotta go Taysom Hill here. Yes, uh, there are some considerations long term, but I'm gonna go Taysom Hill just because of the running element uh, this first week. They kind of set everybody else up and made him look more like a passer, right? Because you would have thought the opposite coming in. You would have said, oh, like we said, they did do some of the stuff we predicted, which was the wildcat. They did change who was getting the snap, like Kamara got the snap a couple of times. So they did a lot of that stuff we said. But the difference was Taysom himself actually threw the ball a high number of times. There wasn't a lot of design scrambling plays for him. I think they're going to bake that back in. This week, I think they're gonna they're gonna show you on tape from last week that Taysom is willing to throw the ball a lot. Now they're gonna mix in that run. So with the combined element of the run and the pass, I gotta go with Taysom Hill. I would agree with you on that one for sure. Uh, and plus, Teddy may still be a little bit banged up. All right, here's one from our partners at Mugs Fly Together. You can go over to at Mugs Fly Together and you can type in Fit to uh, Fit Ten and receive ten percent discount on any mug that you choose right there. This one comes in from them and they want to know. You got to pick two of these, John. Mm -hmm. Cooks, Montgomery, or DJ Shark this week? Uh, uh, nothing with David Montgomery. <laughs> so any, any, <laughs> any choice where there's David Montgomery, I'm going to go no because He's either he doesn't play well or – you know, it's like Bears land. You know how it is, buddy. It's like either he doesn't play well or he gets hurt. So that, that's an easy one for me. I say Cooks and Shark. I don't even think twice about it. It's, it's, it's a half-point PPR. Yeah, so there you go. So you got the half a point for the receivers. Both of the right, you you mean Brandon Cooks, against, right? Yeah, he's so going I, against he's going against the Packers, man. He's nope. going against the Packers this week. The Packers got like a sieve for a, a running game uh, or running defense. Come on, man. I agree a hundred percent about the matchup against the Packers, but I do not agree about David Montgomery's state in the league right now. I have no confidence in him. He buried a lot of my teams last year because I do like to have some fresh legs. I mean, look, it evened out for me this year because I have a lot of Antonio Gibson. So that was a gold mine. But last year I had a Montgomery and that was a disaster. So I'm still holding a grudge. And this year has been a disaster with all the injuries. So I'm sticking with my original picks, Brandon Cooks and DJ Chark. Which defense would you like for rest of season? I got an opinion on this one before you answer. And you could veto me just like you always do because you think you're smarter than me. But this is me uh, This at this time of year. I might actually want to use two spots on my bench for a defense this time of year. One that has a good outlook. I always like to be a week ahead of things. 
you know, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm looking at streaming defenses nowadays, unless, of course, I have a Pittsburgh or somebody like that who I'm going to just have in there as a solid, rock-solid pick each and every week. But I like streaming defenses towards the end of the year. I don't mind doing it all season. But I like to have two spots for it so I can be a week ahead of those other guys. Uh, I like it if it's a deep bench, right? That's a very specific comment. That It really is relative from league to league. If it's a deep bench, why not? Grab that that defense that you might see the week ahead who has a strong matchup, go ahead and stash him, and then you can flip-flop the next week. So, yeah, but if you're on a tight squeeze, like one of my 14-team leagues only has five bench spots, there's no chance. I'm, I'm only running with one defense. Either I have, in that case, I have Pittsburgh, so I leave it alone. But if I didn't, I'd just be changing my defense every week. So that's all relative to the settings of the league. Um, and one thing I want to say is when you introduce that second defense to your roster, sometimes you overthink the decision. So just be careful with that. Just be careful. Make sure you know where the threshold is between the defenses you should start every week and then the ones that are more of a uh, streaming or a flip-flop, you know? Well, and and things can change so much in a week. I was so excited because I had picked up the New York Giants defense, and I thought that they were going to be going against the Cincinnati Bengals. I I don't even know what the quarterback's name was. And now the, the quarterback has changed in Cincinnati, hasn't it? Yes, yes. So Ryan Finley who we've seen in the past, right? Not only from this game where he took over for Burrow. Right. Uh, he was just awful last year. I, I've already, I think on Twitter, I compared him to Nathan Peterman, uh, who of course had that that magical five interception game, his first game playing quarterback for the Bills. Uh, he, that's who he reminds me of, like just somebody who's totally overmatched in every facet of the game. Just leave it at that. So I'm not surprised. A couple of days ago, I saw, you know, in the fine print, that the Bengals had called up Brandon Allen from the practice squad. So that was step number one. Step number two today was not only did we call him up, he's starting this week. So he went from the practice squad to the starter in two days. So, yeah, I mean, uh, he's got to be better than Finley. But if you're starting a defense against the Bengals, you got to feel okay about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, don't overthink the room like you said. But at the same time, it's nice to have one of those good defenses on there. And and I'm not sure. I, I, I hate to say the Chargers, but I know the Chargers defense looked really good. But they have just not been as strong as I thought that they were once going to be in my mind. But I know they have a lot of good matchups coming up in the fantasy playoffs. All right, here's another one. Which wide receiver to start, John? Uh, do we want to start to Patrick? Rigor or Aguilar this week? Oh, I'm definitely going with Tim Patrick. That, that's another. That's an. I don't even think. You know me. I'm. I'm pretty decisive. I. I just go for it. Patrick yeah. has developed into a number one type receiver. Now that could be a gray area because there's 32 teams. So what are we saying that he's one of the top 32 wide receivers? So that you know that's not necessarily saying a lot. However, he's got the big body type. He's got the long arms. His patterns are a lot better than you'd expect for a guy that came seemingly out of nowhere to be a number one receiver. And let's note, Jerry Judy dropped right off the cliff this week, back to three catches for 37 yards. So now it's clear Patrick is the guy, no matter who the quarterback is, for Denver. And I like the big target because that's going to help you in the red zone no matter who the quarterback is. So I'm going to go with TP, Tim Patrick. Okay, well, I'm I'm hold on one second. I'm looking for I'm looking I'm looking for Aguilar or no, I'm looking for Judy because you said he fell off and he's an Alabama guy. I want to help pick him back up there. All right, so uh, our running backs to start this week in a non PPR environment. Okay, non PPR, this standard league, Naheem Hines or McKissick. Whoo, that is a tough one. <laughs> wow, that is well. Now now we're talking. Now we're cooking with gas here. 
Well, let's let's take a look at the matchups, right? So McKissick is against the Cowboys, right? Right. So that's certainly a consideration. I do think Gibson will get all the goal line stuff and the inside the five stuff. So obviously we favor Gibson, but certainly a consideration. And who was the second guy? Uh, Naheem Hines against Tennessee. Yeah, that's tough because last time they played Tennessee, I watched that entire game and they really rode Hines. He was a good matchup against them. Uh, I'm going to say that that part will come back down to earth. Right. So I think Hines will come back down to earth. So I'm going to go with McKissick based off the matchup and tough to play D uh, on national TV on a short week for Dallas after a very difficult game and a good win against Minnesota. So I, I'll go that they will be a little bit fatigued. So I'm going to go with McKissick on this one. Yeah, fatigued and riding high. Right. So maybe mm. maybe they'll be overestimating their abilities. All right. So let's uh, before we get into the Vegas matchups here, let me remind everybody they can find great information like this over at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. You can tweet him anytime, any place. You can DM him even if you'd like to. And he'll be happy to answer all those questions. You can also find him. Uh, you could just Google John Frisella blog and you can find your blog there with all different kinds of things. And I know you're working on something very special for me. You said you're working on something special for me uh, for the holidays a little present for me with uh, involving quarterbacks and also uh, you can find him over what aaron torres uh yes, at my aaron, Tor- aaron torres online i'm the uh okay. the lead fantasy columnist there Yes, you are. And you can find me on Twitter as well, at Lofinet on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. You can head over to Anchor FM, whatever listening platform you like to listen to podcasts on. You can find it there. If it happens to be on the iTunes app, slap those stars around and also leave a comment and leave a review for us. That really helps us out. Now let's give away this mug. Can we give away this ultimate breakfast challenge? Not only a mug, John, but we're giving away tasty cakes as well. I know yes, you're a big before fan. Before we give it away, is it an okay. inside job? Did one of us win? No, no, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm joking. Okay. I'm, I'm sure there's a disclaimer somewhere out there where we cannot win them. If any contest, <laughs> yeah, uh, all right, good. So I'm that I'm drawing dead. I'm dead money here. I got nothing. I got no skin in this game. I just, I'm just happy for whoever won. Yes. And we're with our partners at Mugs Fly Together. And this is the ultimate breakfast giveaway. We're going to win. Uh, they're going to, we're going to give away some a mug and some tasty cakes here. And the winner is we put it in a randomizer. We got a lot of different people uh, that replied to it and they had to reply. Not only did they have to follow us, but they had to reply which mug they wanted. And this guy wanted uh, the mug that says education is important, but fantasy football is importanter. And I, <laughs> I knew you would like that. I like these mugs because they said these kind of things on there. And I'm like, oh, that's going to get under John's skin because it's not proper English. Well, you know, listen, it's a- when it's for fun, when it's on a mug and it's for fun, I'm not going to nitpick people. Although you are right about the proper English stuff, because even my friends who would prefer not to have to do that, if they make a, a mistake in a text, they instantly do the asterisk and they spell it correctly because they know I'm going to pick on it. So you are right about that, but not on a mug, not on a gift. I, I say have some fun with it. It doesn't need to be correct. So uh, <laughs> I approve this message. Okay. Well, and the winner is Charles Herms Herman on Twitter is his name on Twitter. And his Twitter handle is at Herms NFL. So Charles Herman, you are the winner of the Mugs Fly Away Ultimate Breakfast Contest. So that's that's a really good winner right there. And John, we're going to do this contest again uh, real soon. We want to give away throw a couple of different packages here, not only on the John Frisella show, but also on the Fantasy Magnet show and the DFS Dreamer show, all those shows. I want to give away some different different prizes to those listeners. Congratulations to Charles, and uh, we should uh, give him a follow as well, all the listeners out there, because we appreciate yeah. him taking the time to do a submission and getting his name and his ring in the hat, uh, you know, his hat in the ring. So uh, happy for him, and hopefully he'll enjoy the present. 
at Herms NFL on Twitter. He's got a lot of good uh, football takes, fantasy football takes on there too. He was, he was amusing. He was amusing on Twitter whenever I started trolling him. I guess I was trolling him, but we'll get in contact with you real soon and find out a good way to ship that to you and everything like that. So we really appreciate all the different people that entered into the contest and we're going to be doing it again. Make sure you tell your friends, make sure you tell your family all about the Fantasy Impact Today Network and all the different shows that are on here as we give away different items that they can all be involved in. So we really appreciate it very much. All right, John. Before before we get into that first game, I just want to back up one step to something you said earlier, and I'm going to give you some credit right now, my friend. You said this has been a rough year for you in fantasy leagues. There's been a lot on your plate. There's a lot going on. I just want to remind you, we did a draft on the air for fun, a best ball league. And I want to win that one, right? I'm winning it. No, you're not winning. You're in third place. So I was going to say that's a solid showing. You are ahead of me in the standings. So I have to tip my cap out of 12 teams. You're in third place. So I've seen worse than that. So at least you got one decent league out there. And you know what? I couldn't even tell you how to get back to that page right now. I would—I don't even know. I just remember the foghorns. I remember the foghorns coming in, and I felt like I was getting aerated. That's oh, all I that remember. Was, yeah, that was hilarious. We had a good time on that live draft. Shout out to <laughs> fantasy coach JB, yes, Jared Berry, the man. Heck of a ball player as well. Let me yeah. run you through a team really quick. I'm going to blaze right through it just so you can hear you have. Drew Brees, Kyler Murray, A.J. Dillon, Kenyon Drake, Kareem Hunt, Kerryon Johnson, Marlon Mack. Sony Michelle, Robbie Anderson, Chase Claypool, nice. Brandon Cooks, Tyreek Hill, DK Metcalf, nice. Sammy Watkins, Zach Ertz, and Blake Jarwin. So you got about half the team is injured and half the team is really good players. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. A lot of people are injured. Listen, if you got Kyler Murray this year, He's been carrying you. You know, Kyler Murray is last year's version of Lamar Jackson this year. And I found it so important to try and get in the draft one of those top five or six quarterbacks that were mobile or runners. And and I thought that they just separated themselves completely from the ones last year. And I, I, I made it a point to try and do that in almost every single league. The couple of leagues where I accidentally got Daniel Jones in, I'm not doing so well, but I'm heating up. I'm heating up, baby. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd be in first place in this league if you had as much success at running back as you did at wide receiver because you crushed it at wide receiver. Robbie Anderson's having a career year. Claypool's been arguably the best rookie in the league. Tyree Kill obviously is Tyree Kill. And Metcalf might be the best receiver in the league this year. So you, if you had that type of success at running back, you'd be in first. But third place, not bad, buddy. Yeah, I, I what I got, I probably got like six good legs out of the running back position right now. Is what I got left is what it sounded like. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's interesting because I know you've been complaining about Drake all year, but he's still pretty good. Like when you watch him play, he runs pretty hard. It's like I know you got frustrated. You probably jumped off the bandwagon in the leagues where you can release him because you yeah. like to burn it down and go crazy. But I I still like the way he runs. He's pretty physical. I know he's got issues with fumbling, but uh, he's pretty downhill and he's he bulked up a lot. His arms got huge. So I still think he has some potential, Drake. I think after he came back from that injury, like you like to say, he looks bouncier. You know, yeah. he, he looks a little bit, he looks a step faster since coming back from this last injury. I don't know what happened. I don't know what, what you know, if, if we have some undisclosed cleaning up of a knee or an ankle or something, I don't know what happened. But he, he definitely looks like he has a little extra oomph in his step right now. Maybe he watched Chase Edmonds run and he was like, oh, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a key phrase, by the way. You know, and if you notice, I use bouncier specifically only for one position, right? That's running back. You notice, I don't say bouncier wide receiver, bouncier tight end, bouncier quarterback. Running back, you got to be light on your feet, bouncy, and you got to be fresh. I'm going to give you a great example. Daryl Henderson, the first half of the season, he was fresh, man. 
He came the first game of the year. He was injured. He got a little bit of rest there. He didn't play a lot. He came in the second game charging like a ram on the Rams, um, and he looked good for a while. Now, if you watch this past week, it looks like Cam Akers is the one getting the fresh legs, and Daryl Henderson starting to get tired. He doesn't. He's not bouncy. Same thing happened with the 49ers. Jarek McKinnon started off good. Then he had, quote-unquote, tired legs. He was not bouncy. Then that was a game where Jeff Wilson came in and got three touchdowns. So you at the running back position, you really got to watch. Listen to the coaches when they say somebody looks fresh. And also watch with your own two eyes and see who's looking bouncy. Just at that position. It's different than the other ones. And and you saying that, and I know you're going to push this off, and I understand why. I, I get mm-hmm. it. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. David Montgomery has had almost two weeks off to rest from that concussion, right? And maybe even a little bit longer. He's going against a Green Bay Packer defense this week who cannot stop the run at all. David Montgomery might have those fresh, bouncy legs where other people are going to be a little bit heavier weighted, especially the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they, they played a long, heartfelt game this past week, and I could just see him coming in and having the freshest legs out of everybody. I'm not going to brush it off because that does make sense. I'm just saying, let me, let me phrase it this way. In the context of his NFL career, how many games you as a Bears fan have you said, whoa, David Montgomery really looked like he had a lot in the tank today? In, in oh. all honesty, can you, mm-hmm. can you count it on one hand how many times you said, oh, he looks good today, he looks sharp? No, I, I, yes, and I'm still waiting for the David Montgomery breakout season. It's a set, the schedule sets up really nice for him. If he doesn't do it now, He'll never do it. We'll just always be able to expect David Montgomery to be that, I don't know, 10 to 16 guy, you know, have that high floor, but not a very high ceiling either. And I think that that's really what we can expect out of him going forward anyway. To have any other kind of expectations for him is just unrealistic, especially in this coaching system that he's in. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. So you know, what's, I, anno- I you know what's annoying? I know we want to get to the game, so we'll get to the games. But you know what's annoying about that is there's a lot of teams out here right now that grab running backs off the scrap pile and mm. they're better than David Montgomery or at least equal, right? Like a Salvan Ahmed, he looks pretty fresh for the for the Dolphins. Like a McKissick, who was an afterthought for a lot of teams before this, he's had an excellent year. You know what I mean? So it's annoying when you invest a high pick in a guy like Montgomery and you're still waiting for it to deliver when these other teams pick up a guy that nobody even cares about and they come in like, look at Frank Gore. Frank Gore still looks good on the Jets. He's an afterthought in the league. He had 15 fantasy points this week and scored a touchdown. Like, it's annoying that he could be as good as David Montgomery when he's 37 years old. It's crazy. And there was that rumblings a couple of years ago where teams just didn't want to pay running backs anymore. And they always changed teams. And there's a valid reason why, because the life expectancy for a running back uh, to be productive in the NFL is not very long. It's just not. And it goes right off the cliff, just like you talked about Jerry Judy. It goes right off the cliff in a hurry. It goes in a hurry. And it's a great topic in general, just because it puts so much pressure on the organization right? Like Dalvin Cook and Kamara this mm. offseason. You love to see how these teams react, or at least I do. I like to see how the front offices get together and say, okay, we got to figure out how much of our success is dependent on this player. That's a hard question, especially at the running back position. It's easy to figure out a quarterback. You know where you stand with your quarterback and how much they control. And you you know where you stand with like an elite pass rusher. You can't replace that type of guy. You can only get, there's only a handful in the league. But a running back, you might say, well, yeah, he's good. We know he's good. But what if we take him out and put some money into other positions and forget about him? Where do we stand then? That's a really hard question. And it's working out great for the Vikings and the Saints because those two guys have been fantastic this year. Yes, they have. And 
Very good for your fantasy football teams. John, Thursday night, first game, 12.30. I don't know if that is 11.30 probably is what time that is. Alabama time, which was the only time that counts in my head. We have the Houston Texans versus the Detroit Lions. Uh, right now, the Houston Texans are favored by three points. This over-under, the point total is 51.5. John, last week, Detroit got blanked. And I'm going to be honest with you. I wonder if they're not going to be in one of those those little ruts where all of a sudden we start seeing Detroit hasn't scored in eight quarters. Detroit hasn't scored in nine quarters. You know, one of those things. And I just I just wonder if they even have enough firepower this Thanksgiving to get them home. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of both for me in this game. Uh, I have a lot to say on this topic, unfortunately for you. Uh, my instinct was you have to bounce back right after you score zero against Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like you, I feel like there's no, there is nowhere else to go. I mean, that's rock bottom. Just think about, think about what Brady did to the Panthers the week before, right? Brady had a terrible game, the worst game of his career against the saints. Then he comes into Carolina and he shreds them for like 15 touchdowns. He was getting five touchdowns a quarter. It was ridiculous. It was embarrassing. Then you go in there with, against the same team with the Detroit lions and you get zero points. You got to think they're going to bounce back, but Here's where I draw the line. So I do think you'll see a better fantasy game and a good fantasy game from Stafford. I do think you'll see a good fantasy game from Hawkinson, right? But here's where I draw the line. When it gets down to the nitty-gritty, I'm starting to feel like this Lions team is just soft, right? So I'm going to take to Sean Watson, who what a performance he put on the Patriots. Yep. It was a one-man show. He was really fantastic. So uh, when it gets to the nitty-gritty, obviously the line's at like three, so we already could have guessed that with Detroit and Houston on a Thanksgiving game, two teams in a similar bracket in the league. So that's no surprise. So that's where I draw the line. I think you're going to see an uptick in fantasy production from the Lions, but they're still going to blow it in the end. I'm, I'm going to take Wat- – actually, I'll take Watson to win this game by seven. I'll take the Texans. Yeah, and uh, the addition of DeAndre Swift is going to be a help if he's able to play and suit up. I haven't heard the latest update on him. I don't think that Galladay will be able to play in this one at all. And, John, I like what you're saying. I saw Deshaun Watson finally. He was one of those top five or six quarterbacks that I talked about earlier. And I'm like, okay, if I can get Deshaun Watson, I'll be fine. If Kyler Murray goes off the board or if Josh Allen goes off the board, I'll be fine. And I got Deshaun Watson in a couple different leagues, and I haven't been fine. I don't know if it's the new system, getting used to not having Hopkins, the new coaching staff, just a lot of different changes happened to Deshaun Watson this year, but he didn't look peppy. He didn't have that bounce in his step like I was expecting him to, to have. But last week, it was a totally different story. He took over the game, and it was old Deshaun Watson, and I hope something has clicked because it's, the football is a lot better. Football is more funner whenever Deshaun Watson is in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to go ahead and disagree with you, as I like to do, because he is ranked sixth overall at the quarterback position. Right. And it's not like he had 50 points this week. He had a good game. You know what I mean? So he was up there already to begin with. And by the way, there's a large gap. Just an FYI. I'm looking at just one of my leagues here. Like Tom Brady. So you got Kyler is number one, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Rogers, Watson, Herbert, who if you go by per game is in the top three. He's unbelievable. Then Brady at 217 points. Then you got a big drop off of about 20 points to Ryan Tannehill. So just something to keep an eye on that 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 first group seems to be bracketed off on their own. And then there's a big drop off in between. But um, yeah, I mean, I think overall, considering that there was a coaching change, they lost their best player in Hopkins. They not only did they lose him, they replaced him with a dud in David Johnson. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think overall, I think Watson's been really good. It's just the team. That's the disappointment. They just don't look They're in disarray overall. If you consider the Texans. Yeah. Well, and I have high hopes. 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm like, hey, Deshaun Watson, he's going to give me a million points, you know? And uh, Kyler Murray was that guy. And I made sure I got some of those all around the league. So that was good. But, yes, I agree with you. Deshaun Watson has done pretty well. All right, so I'm going to take Houston as well. And I'm going to take the under on this one just simply because I do not believe that the Detroit Lions, even though they're going up against the Houston Texans defense, just I think that they're going to be in one of those ruts and just not able to score. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I, you know what's really interesting is how do you read – a situation like this with an early game on a Thursday. The Lions are used to it. They do it every year, right? They're regular on Thanksgiving. But how does that affect your team, right? Does that is that going to help the offenses that these two defenses got to come back on short rest? Or because it's such an early game, like you said, 11.30 in some areas, 10.30 in some areas, whatever it is, uh, are they going to come out sluggish on offense? So what? So in your opinion, that's, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a little bit sluggish and you're going to go for the under. Is that basically it? Yeah, that is. And if you think about Texas time, if it's 1130 and they're, oh. they're playing right, you know, that's that's just it's it's a strange time. It's a strange environment. Uh, I don't think anybody's played like that since co- uh, college days, you know. So. So, yes, I think it's going to be just out of their atmosphere and it'll be a low scoring game until the second half when they start getting hungry and they want to go get that pumpkin pie. Let's say 52 points and it dropped to 51 and a half. I'm just trying to arrive at my score because I have the Texans winning by seven. 28-21. What's that? 49 points? There you go. Yeah. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with you. 28-21. Houston Texans. I'm gonna go under by two and a half points. All right. First smart thing you've said all day. All right, second game. Washington at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh this one has uh I don't know. It, it this this is crazy. It has a 47-point total is what it started out at. Now it's 46. The Dallas Cowboys went from being one-point favorite to three-point favorite. That sounds like to me that that's just Vegas trying to ensure a victory for themselves this week. Yeah, well, I mean, look, people like to say that I'm a know-it-all, right? Those that, like you, like to say that. Those that know me well think I'm a know-it-all. But I'm going to come out now. Like, I, First of all, I corrected myself on Seattle, right? I, I said – I threw them out of the mix as a Super Bowl contender, and I've adjusted for their acquisition of Carlos Dunlap, and I said that's my mistake for taking them off the Super Bowl list. They're back on it. That's number one. Number two, apology due to the Dallas Cowboys because Andy Dalton did a good enough job, and that was a very tough, tight game, a difficult win that kept them alive on, against the hot Minnesota team, and by the way, a much better Minnesota team. They're a lot better than the Cowboys. So my hat is off to Andy Dalton and Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy and everybody, the whole gang there. It was a tough call to not play Garrett Gilbert after he showed some promise in his one start. Um, mm-hmm. But Dalton did a good job. So my apologies to them. And who knows, maybe the Cowboys can win the division because I got to say, the defense is showing a lot more energy and a lot more spunk. Like they feel like maybe they got a shot. So I don't know. They turned the whole thing upside down there in Dallas. What do you think about their situation? No, I agree with you. And I appreciate what you say on that, of being able to change. That's one of the things, though, that you said early on, I think, whenever we were talking about things, is that you have to be able to change. Uh, in fantasy football, in your betting lines and everything, you can't go into it just thinking, this is what I'm going to do, this is my game plan, and without looking at the circumstances. And you see the circumstances written on the on the wall, and so you have to change your thoughts. And no, I didn't think Andy Dalton would be able to perform. I think that was a completely gutsy decision to be able to put Andy Dalton back in there but they obviously saw something that we didn't see in practice and uh yes they are probably a lot more football smarter than we are so yeah, my yeah. Off and, to them. and a strong drive at the end too right because remember they yeah. they that was a back and forth game I was actually one of the best games of the week but there was some pressure there on them because basically their season was hanging in the balance mm-hmm. so was Minnesota's even though Minnesota's been hot they still needed that win 
So, so for them to pull it out and to have a couple of nice drives down the stretch and get that thing done, I, I was really impressed. That was a good, a good strong effort. So I'm going to ride them here for a couple of reasons. It's still only 55% on Dallas, even though the line has gone up twice, right? So it went from one to two to three. So now they're a three-point favorite. So the fact that the action is not 70% on Dallas, but the line went up two points means we're getting a good value play here. So I, I have to – and also I think the average Joe Schmo football fan is going to like Washington in this game because Washington's been a more complete team and mm-hmm. a steadier team in more games than Dallas has been. Uh, so I think that's what the, the average person is going to do. So I'm going to go against it as I usually do. I'll go with Dallas to win this game by six. Wow. Dallas by six. Wow. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't want to give Dallas too much credit because I do think the Bears wore out Minnesota Vikings the week before all this. You know what I'm saying? Down before they went and played in Dallas, the Bears just had them uh, warm out, warm out. In a physical contest. You start to write, you're reminding me of my dad. My dad likes to say the opposite when it comes to sports. So when the, when the Bears are 5-1, and one, you're riding them, you can't stand them, they're terrible. Now they stink, and every time you bring up the Bears, it's something positive. I, I, it's, well, like, it's like the bizarre world. The whole, the whole thing's upside down. No, the reason why is because they let the Vikings run all over them and just stomp them all over. That's tiring. That's tiring, you know, to be able to do that to a team. No, I, I like Dallas in this one as well. They're on a hot streak, and it's just one of those things where I think the Thanksgiving Day team that's going on the road, they want to get back home. All right, so I'm going to take Dallas right now uh, with the three points, and I'm going to take the over in this game. All right, 46 points seems a little bit too low for me. Both of these teams can get up and down the, the field whenever they want to. The clock's going to keep running, but I think that both of them will be able to score at will this game. Yeah, and I just want to throw one thing out there from a fantasy perspective. It's pretty clear to me, and I said this over on the show with the Bison Buffaloes there, uh, it's pretty clear to me that C.D. Lamb is Andy Dalton's favorite guy, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it changes when you change quarterbacks. It might not be an Amari Cooper. It might not be a Michael Gallup. From the first time, I'm not talking about just this last game where Lamb was very good. I wasn't the least bit surprised. I had him in one of my lineups, even though I lost in that league. I knew to get Lamb in there with Dalton in there. So just keep an eye on that going forward. He's got some sort of affinity for the way that Lamb runs his patterns and makes himself available. And you know Andy likes to check down, so he does some of those intermediate throws, not as many stretch-to-field plays. So just keep that in mind for fantasy that you might get a better value on Lamb than you would get on a Cooper in terms of salary, and you're better off playing Lamb anyway. I think they uh, all are a little bit more fantasy relevant nowadays. All right, next one. I guess we're just going to go in order here. So we will do this Baltimore and Pittsburgh game, even though it's been pushed off till Sunday, and we believe that both of them will be able to play come Sunday night. Right now this game total is sitting at 44.5, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are favored, I'm going to say it, by only four points, John. Yeah, and the line dropped a half, too, Mm -hmm. uh, on a few of the books. Uh, not surprised by that. I, I got to think Baltimore is a lock in this game because of the urgency, right? The urgency of this game. You, yes. You want to go undefeated. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. You want to bury your division rival, the Ravens, right? But the Ravens, they are playing okay. And they're losing these close games. Like I always use Tennessee as an example with my UPS guy, Dom, he's a Tennessee fan. They, you can only walk that tightrope for so long when you're winning all those close games. They're going to even out eventually. I think Baltimore is going to swing back the other way. I, I think Baltimore is going to break the schneid here. I think the Steelers are going to lose this game. I'm taking the Ravens to knock off the Steelers, who will no longer be undefeated. Uh, I'm going to take the Ravens to win it by three points uh, behind Lamar Jackson and friends. Wow. I, I wish it wasn't four. 
I almost want to take Baltimore Ravens and the points is what I want to take. You know what I mean? And, and, and but, but I can't do it because I just don't trust Lamar Jackson. I think this defense for Pittsburgh is just too talented and Lamar just is not. Um, I think that I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game, John, to be able to score whenever they want to score, even against that Baltimore defense. So many, so many plays that Ben Roethlisberger is making nowadays that are so smart. And I, I don't think that an interdivisional rivalry is going to stop that one bit. So I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers, the four points, and I'm, I'm going to. I'd love to leave the point total where it is, but I'd almost want to take the under if I'm going to ta- have to be forced to take either of them. Yeah, I mean, if you like Pittsburgh in this game, you're probably going to take the under because that that's going to play their way, the way their defense is playing overall. That's the way you want it to go. Um, yeah, but overall for Pittsburgh, I just like what they've done. You know, you know how I feel. Not everyone agrees with me. I feel like wide receiver is the second most important position in the league. So before the season, I I was on the train as the Steelers being the third best team in the AFC, even though they didn't make the playoffs last year, right? Of course, Roethlisberger comes back. But the reason is it's very difficult to match up when the fourth receiver is James Washington, who's a pretty good player, right? Because you, how do you match up? You know that he's going to be one-on-one. Then you got these two guys having monster years. Mm-hmm. You got Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool having monster years. And then Juju pops up and has a solid game here or there. So it's very difficult to match up when you go four wide with those guys. And then you got Eric Ebron in the middle of the field. Not, we're not talking about superstar at every single spot, but you're talking about talent at every level of the field. Just, it's just hard. You can't double. And when you can't double Deontay Johnson, he's going to make you pay. And he's been doing that. So overall, I really like what Pittsburgh's done. Obviously, I believe in them because, again, like I talked about last week against Jacksonville, at the end of the day, because of the combination of what they're doing on offense and defense and the way that they're able to expand and extend leads on both sides of the ball, they're going to get those lesser teams and they're going to run away from them. But this game, Baltimore needs it bad. They need it now. Uh, And they're playing pretty decent. So I'm going to stick with that. I'm not going to get swayed, even though I like what Pittsburgh is doing. I understand, but Baltimore has needed a lot of games, and they haven't been able to get them this year. All right, Las Vegas Raiders versus the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. Now, this is one that is one of your favorites. It's crossed over. It started out as an even pick em. I don't know why it would have, but it started out as an even pick em. But now, Las Vegas is a three-point favorite in this game, but the point total has stayed right around that 55-point mark, which is a pretty high point total. It may go over, though, because these are two high-powered offensive juggernauts, John. Yeah, one of the worst situations for a better is this, is this spot right here. Right, so we started off at a pick em. Let's back into that. Why did we start at a pick em? Because Atlanta historically is about twice as good when they play at home. Right? I know we're in a COVID year. Things are different. But still, it's their turf. It's their game. They know their field, their level. So uh, they, they always do better at home. So they opened as a pick em. Now, here's the problem you have. The line went in the correct direction. Right? We would expect, based on the quality and the skill and the overall way that Las Vegas has played and the great coaching they've been getting, you would expect them to be the favorite in this game. But if you're going to take them, you'd prefer it to go from like a pick to minus one. When it goes a pick to minus three and now we're at 60% on Las Vegas, I have a feeling we're going to end up at 65 or 70% on Las Vegas. Now you're in a pickle when you're picking this game because it it's really has competing factors on both sides of it. So for me, I'm going to go against it because it, it seems like a lot of people are going to jump on that bandwagon. Uh, I'm going to go with Atlanta at home. Uh, Ridley, like, as we said, he came back and gave him a spark. Uh, it's been tough with Julio in and out of the lineup left and right. It's very difficult. Um, but I think overall the Las Vegas Raiders are going to be on a come down 
from playing another tough physical game against the Chiefs and a hard-fought game. It, it's totally different when you go out wow. of division against the Falcons. So I'm going to take the Falcons to cover. I don't, I don't, I don't even know who you are, John. I mean, I, I, I mean, that's, that's a crazy, you, you love the Las Vegas Raiders. You love everything that they are. You love all what they're about. And, uh, right now I'm looking at this as a must win game for the Las Vegas Raiders on the road in an environment where they can go in and, and win, because I'm not going to say Atlanta looks again to be in that funk. But they don't look to be playing as hard as they did a couple of weeks ago. They, and I, granted, it was against a really tough team in the New Orleans Saints last week. But I don't think the Las Vegas Raiders are are any worse of an opponent or any better of an opponent as far as that matter. I think they're a really good, solid opponent. Derek Carr has played lights out, man. Derek Carr is doing a fantastic job, and he'll be able to shred them Vikings apart like a thir- like a turkey dinner on Thanksgiving. So I'm going to take the Las Vegas Raiders here, and I'm I'm going to I'm going to take those. Uh, yeah, I'll give you those three points, John. Yeah, you're going to give you those three points. I think it's a game where if you're a logical football person, it's too easy to be logical in this game. Um, and I again, you know, that's been my team, the Raiders. I have a pretty mm-hmm. good beat on them. We nailed that thing stone cold last week against the Chiefs, which was everybody's first inclination was, oh, the Chiefs are going to be mad because they beat them last time, so now they're going to come and blow the doors off them. And, of course, my counter to that was, you think the Raiders don't know that? You think the Raiders don't know the Chiefs are going to come guns blazing and they're going to cover the spread? That game literally landed exactly the way we said it would. So I have a good beat on them, and now this is a game where it's so hard to duplicate that energy. So much of it, when you're playing with these middling teams or these middle top-of-the-middle tier type of teams – uh, it's very difficult to maintain that energy. So that's something to keep an eye on this game. It's a it's a letdown spot. Even though they lost last week, uh, they gave it all. They gave it all in that game. And it, they put an effort out there that would result in a win against almost every other team. So I, I take the letdown here and I go with Atlanta. Okay. All right. Next game, Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray having a bum shoulder. He says it's all okay and everything's fine. Going against the New England Patriot uh, defense. That's just not the same defense that we thought it was, and that showed last week, I believe, a little bit, where I thought they were in a very good smash spot, and they ended up losing last week. I couldn't believe that, to be honest with you. And the Arizona Cardinals are favored by 2.5 points, and this game total is sitting at 49.5 right now. Only 31% on the Patriots, so I'm not I'm not going to think too much into this one. right? I, I think exactly for the reasons that you said. Regardless of whether or not Kyler has a shoulder injury, He's also one of the most talked about players in the league right now. So are we even a little bit surprised that it's 69% of the action on them? I'm not even a little surprised. That's the attractive pick here, right? So I'm not doing that. I'm not going to fall for that bait. They're not going to hook me and take me underwater. So I, I got to go I got to go with New England at home. Uh, and, you know, they lost Burkhead. So, so go for, in DFS, that running back combination of Damian Harris and James White. And I'm going to go Patriots. Okay, you do that. I'll go Arizona. All right, I'm going to roll with my guy Kyler Murray. I just think there's too much offensive firepower in Arizona for the New England Patriots to be able to keep up with them, and that defense is pretty fast in Arizona as well. And to me, uh, New England has just been getting slower and slower for years. So I think that Arizona handles business in New England uh, with without any problems. Forty nine and a half points, John. 49 and a half points sounds about right. If I were going to take either one of these, I'd probably take that under. And it opened at 48, so I'm probably right on that because it's sitting at 49 and a half right now. Yeah, I mean, but on uh, Pinnacle, it went up to 50. So it went from 48 to 50. So uh, to be honest with you, it makes me nervous about my pick of taking the Patriots because 
I would prefer, like we talked about last week, and I think that worked out well for us, was thinking about how does the team that you're picking have to play in order mm. for them to play into the line. So for me, if I'm going to take New England, I'd rather this game be an under. So I got I, even though I don't like that the line went up two points, that does scare me. I'm just going to have to go with it. I'm just going to have to take the Patriots to cover the spread and for the game total to land on 47 points. So that's my pick here. Okay, now I will take. I'll say this. Can I can I put a caveat in there? Yeah, of if, course. If if uh, Kyler Murray comes out in a sling, I'm yeah. taking back my pick. Okay, that's. <laughs> I'm taking my it doesn't no I take I'll take Cam Newton there in that in that situation. All right, New York Giants. My New York Giants with Daniel Jones leading the charge. They are favored by six points this week against a Cincinnati Bengal team. And you know what kind of scares me? Mm-hmm. I don't even know who I, I don't want to be an Allen, but B. Allen is the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I don't even know who B. Allen is. You're the one ranking a hundred quarterbacks. Did B. Allen even make your hundred quarterback list? Yeah, Brandon Allen, I you know, he just got promoted. So I, I started making the list. I'm not done yet, as we were talking about off air. Uh, and it started off as a list of the top 85 because I basically went through the starters, the backups, and the third string, the ones that are somewhat relevant. Uh, and then Brandon Allen wasn't one of those guys originally because it was before we found out that he got activated from the practice squad. So he wasn't even on the radar. Then he gets activated from the practice squad. And now, just like that, Blink and I, he's the starting quarterback. So I did have to put him on there because part of it when you're ranking 85 quarterbacks is which guys at the back of the list even got an opportunity to play at all. You know what I mean? So now he's already bypassed his teammate in just a couple of days of practice. He's already bypassed Finley and shown that he's better than him. So I have – I'm going to give you a little sneak preview. I have Brandon Allen as the 71st best quarterback. Oh, come on. Come on, you probably got Daniel Jones as the 85th or something like that right now. It's no respect whatsoever. No, that scares me whenever a quarterback does do that or any kind of player from the practice squad comes in and all of a sudden just dethrones somebody. Mm. And maybe, maybe that means there's a spark that the team has whenever he's playing, you know, uh, and, and the other guy just wasn't able to do it. So this really scares me for this line. I am tempted to take Cincinnati just because the Giants, they, they don't, they're not going to blow anybody out. I don't care if they did have a bye week. They're not going to blow anybody out. The Giants just don't blow anybody out, and they make too many mistakes to be able to cover a six-point spread, in my opinion. So I'm going to probably take the Cincinnati Bengals, even though I don't even, I don't even know what a B. Allen is. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to take you behind closed doors here, right? Oh, oh wait. Behind easy easy up there, Johnny. Easy yeah, up. Yeah, well, you know, this is, this is going to get wild on you here. So behind closed doors with the New York Giants, they got something going here with Joe Judge, the head coach. There were a lot of videos, because I have a lot of Giants fans, friends here in mm-hmm. New York, a lot of videos being sent to me from the preseason of the way guys were responding even to his drills, right? I'm talking about training camp, not preseason games. There were none. So they were responding to his drills. He gets down in the dirt with the guys. He works out with them. He's not just out there barking orders. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes where guys are rallying for him. I can guarantee you that he's behind closed doors saying, there's no effing, of course we're not going to curse, way we're going to let the Dallas Cowboys come back in this division with Andy Dalton playing quarterback and no Dak Prescott and take this division away from us. Not the way Carson Wentz is playing right now for the Eagles. They ain't going to beat us either. So we're going to come out here against this practice squad quarterback and we're going to make his life heck. He's not going to complete a pass. We're going to blitz like maniacs. We're going to put pressure on them. So that's what's being said behind closed doors. They're, they're oh going to come out here and they're going to look for the blowout. doesn't mean they're going to get it, but they're going to look to blow this kid out and put him on skates and make oh, him nervous back there. That's oh, what's I'm happening. So, 
I'm so excited. My my Giants are going to be in first place. I'm going to the Super Bowl. John, my Giants are going to the Super Bowl. I flip, You flipped me, man. You, <laughs> I'm taking the Giants. You got me pumped up now, buddy. You got me pumped up. I'm taking the Giants. Yeah, there ain't no way B. Allen, he'll be on the bench is what he'll be in before the end of this game. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And, you know, look, the one thing you said earlier that does make sense is I don't really want to be in a position where it's 68% on the Giants and I need them to win by seven, yeah. but I could see a situation where the Bengals have less than 10 points. It wouldn't surprise me. So that you can back into the numbers there. If they if they get held to seven or let's say 10 or maybe even 13, the Giants are going to get there. They're going to win by more than six. So And the line going up is a good sign here. It went from four and a half to six going the Giants' way, going upwards. So at least that's a good indicator for us. So yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go behind coach here. My pick is with Joe Judge on this game. Woo, we're both taking the Giants in six points. <laughs> hey, we're in a given mood, I guess. It's Thanksgiving. Uh, the 45 point, point uh, the game started at 45 points, and it has dropped down to 43 for this game, which seems like it's a little bit under. I'm going to take the over because I do think the Giants are going to be able to win this one. I don't want to say in a shootout or anything like that, uh, now that I've flipped around, but I thought that maybe that this game was just going to end up being close all the way through, and the teams would just have to start trading off points, so I do want to take the over in this game. That's just my personal opinion. I don't think it's going to even be close. I got wow. twenty. To thir- I got twenty to thirteen or twenty to ten. You could pick your score. I got wow. Giants twenty and either ten or thirteen for Cincinnati. You know, okay, all right, yeah. For me to be able to win that, you know, if you if we make that correlation now, because I did have the over because I thought so. I do need to switch that to the under if I do think the Giants are going to win. You're Not absolutely necessarily. Right. No, 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 no. Just because nope. that's a good storyline doesn't mean that you have. No, to no, no, no. No, if, if the Giants are going to cover that spread. You're right. They're going to have to keep um, the Cincinnati Bengals at a real low point total. So that's that it goes hand in hand. So I am taking the Giants. I am taking the under because that does go together. So I, see, I, I rationale things. I rationale things. You, you may have flipped me because you got me all pumped up about my Giants. But you knew you knew you could do that with me about my Giants. You knew that. You knew that. Oh, I don't even I don't even do this with the purpose of getting you to flip. But it's like a 90 percent rate that you're going to switch your pick if I, no, if I really get into the weeds with it. No, I write down everything. Since you said that about uh, who, who was it, your father-in-law saying that, I, I, I write them down beforehand, and I don't change them. That's the first one I've scribbled out in probably two weeks, but you got me pumped up about my Giants, maybe. <laughs> it's true. No, and in all honesty, though, that, that is true, because I think they know this is it. Like, you know, we're kind of at a crossroads now in that division. It's like if you start losing games, any of those teams, any of those four, actually, they're all in the mix at this point. If you start losing games now and you go on a bad skid, that's it. One of those teams is going to step forward. So I think I think Judge and the team in general, all three facets like we talked about, I think they're going to have that energy and that drive to be the one to go in the right direction. And this is a game where you got to make a statement. You can't go against a practice squad quarterback and not win this game in a division battle. So you got to come and make a full statement. Here's another one, John, that's just, it's got too many points written all over it. It looks like the Cleveland Browns are favored by six and a half points. This, and this is in concrete here. It hasn't moved all week long. The game total is sitting at 49 and we have a new starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars in Mike Glennon. This is exactly the same situation that we had beforehand, because, but the only thing is we know what Mike Glennon does in a game and it's never good. <laughs> you spot on. Well, I know, you know, cause he was with the bears. Yeah. Guess what? It's Johnny blow up time. We get one blow up per week. Somebody somebody explained to me how you can bench a young quarterback who came in and did a very good job in his first game, 
right? Luton against the Packers kept them in that game all the way down the stretch and almost pulled off a miracle upset against one of the best teams in the league. How can you bench him for Mike Glennon, who might as well be Wes Easley? I, I'll put I'll put myself or or Wes in there. I really that's how bad Mike Glennon is. Uh, how could you do that when the kid is only going to get a limited window to play and his bad game came against the Steelers? You can't count that. You can't take a kid in his second start in the NFL against the number one rated defense and count that against them that he had four interceptions. What'd you think he was going to have? Right. That's that's what I always try to to get people to to focus on the perspective. What did you peg him for in that game? I, we all said the number one play in DFS defense is going to be the Steelers, and they're going to have a ton of fantasy points. Everybody knew that beforehand. So what are you saying? You think Luton, you know, if you're the coach, I'm saying, if you're Doug Marone, you think Luton was going to go in there and throw four touchdowns? Get out of here. You already knew he was throwing at least two picks. That was a guarantee. So he threw four picks. Big deal. It's against the Steelers. Now you're going to play Cleveland, and you're going to play Mike Glennon? I mean, to me, that's like a desperation. You know, I need to try to win a game here because I'm going to oh. get fired. Doug Marone type of thing. But no, 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 no. To me, let me just, uh, I'll just finish this one thought. I think you have a better chance to win if you have Luton. What do you think? No, I think you're absolutely right, and I think that's why they're playing Glennon. I think Luton played too well. Jacksonville doesn't want to win games, John. They don't no, want to win games. Marone, Marone's going to be out, though. I'm he talking doesn't about care. He doesn't care. He has a bonus. And I bet you if we pulled out Doug Marone's contract from the filing cabinets, we'd see that Doug Marone had a, had a stipulation in his contract that he gets a bonus if the Jacksonville Jaguars lose so many games. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Think about it. They cut Fournette, which kind of seems like it's an okay move, but really, I mean, they had James Robinson right sitting right there, right? So they Mm -hmm. cut Fournette. Then Mm -hmm. they, 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 like you said, they're changing out quarterbacks left and right. They just he he told Minshew not to throw it to DJ Shark. That's that's the only thing I can explain. Why why else would Shark and Minshew be having issues and problems? Why? I mean, uh, he should be Minshew's favorite uh, player on on the offensive side of the ball, and yet they couldn't connect. They had some beef with each other. Come on, man. And now they're going to start Glennon. Like you said, that that guy, Luton, he looked too good against Pittsburgh last week. They're going to ensure that they lose against Cleveland. Well, no, he had four picks against Pittsburgh. He didn't look good against Yes, but uh, okay, fine. He has four picks, but it's against the Pittsburgh Steelers. All yeah. right. So it's against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That doesn't mean he played terrible. I mean, he played four picks, but, so I guess that is pretty bad. But you no, know, bad. It, it's bad. But the point is, you you got to throw that game out before it even starts. You're right. or, if you're if you're a football guy, right? And we always say, Wes, you you and I are very respectful to these professionals. There's got to be a handful of guys in there that actually know less than we do, and their instincts are not that good. <laughs> because if you're no seriously, because you if you're a football guy and you went into the game thinking Luton in his second start in the NFL was going to do well against that defense, there's something terribly wrong with your mind. Your football mind is all scrambled. Maybe you had a few concussions from your playing days because that it's just ridiculous. But let me talk. Let me talk a little bit about Fournette because you brought him up. Very funny. There before I jumped on the show, I saw that Trent Richardson was trending on Twitter, and the reason why he's trending is someone showed a video of Fournette running this week, right in the in the past game uh, for the Buccaneers, and it was an overhead view of a play where there was a gigantic hole to the right of the offensive line, like gigantic. You could fit four players in it. And he literally ran right into the offensive lineman in front of him and then fell on the floor. And that's a famous <laughs> nod to Trent Richardson who had that, that viral video uh, many years ago before he retired, uh, where he literally had a walk-in touchdown and decided to just fall on the ground. So, you know, I will, I'll at least give them a pass on that. That was my point. I think Fournette's pretty finished. And overall, I think Marone's not going to get another job. So I, I think he honestly thinks that Glennon is going to be better than Luton. And I just don't see that. 
Well, I, okay, so let's put this to rest. I'm taking Cleveland and the points, and I'll take the under just because I don't think that Jacksonville will score very many points, and I don't think that Cleveland and Baker Mayfield will score 49. Right, well, I, yeah, it could be an under, but I think this is going to be a one-sided blowout, so it's going to be close. Yeah, it could be an under. I, I just want to say Mayfield hasn't been great in fantasy. This is the week to fire him up. So if you go on DFS, fire him up, all the Cleveland, all, all guns blazing, everybody go, 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 go. Fire up the troops, all the Browns. Even Jarvis Landry? Even my buddy Jarvis Landry if he's okay. out there. Okay. All right. And so that may be an opportunity to sell Jarvis Landry if your <laughs> trade window is still open after this game. Okay. That just That's my whole personal opinion. So you're going to take Cleveland as well, uh, giving up the six and a half points? Oh, yeah. All the way. I, okay. I, have Cleveland, I have Cleveland to win this game with Glennon in there by 21. Three touchdowns. All right, make sure you're following John Frisella over at Legend Sports 7. Follow me as well on Twitter, at Loafinit on Twitter. And uh, just make sure you follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. Head over to Anchor FM and subscribe to the program where you can get all the podcasts here on the Fantasy Impact Today network. So you can stay tuned in. For the different giveaways that we are, we're doing a bunch of stuff before the end of the season. Uh, John and I are going to get together, and maybe even a couple of other people are going to get together and do like a little holiday holiday special edition where I have everybody over at the podcast house, and we just have some fun, uh, which I hope will be really fun for you, the listeners, as well. John, here it is. Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater is listed as quarterback. It looks like he's going to be able to play against those Minnesota Vikings who lost, in my opinion, a heartbreaker game that I think they went into Dallas a little bit overconfident in myself, and maybe that's the reason why they lost it. So it could have been a good wake-up call for them. Right now, this line is moving for us. It started out at 48.5 for the point total. Now it's at 51, and the Minnesota Vikings are favored by 3.5 points. Listen, man, sometimes you just got to go for the gold, and you got to not worry about what people are going to say after the fact. And what I mean by that is when you see a performance like you got out of PJ Walker last week and you already know who Teddy Bridgewater is, right? Teddy Bridgewater, everything we said from the second they signed him has come exactly to fruition, which is if you recall before the season when they were pegged for like two wins, what was I telling you? That total is going to go up by default because Teddy Bridgewater is going to keep you in games. It doesn't matter how bad this team is. If you're looking at the defensive personnel and you're worried about their defense, he will keep you in games, which means as long as your field goal kicker makes a couple down the stretch, you're going to win them. You're going to, your, your win total is going to go up just by the nature of him. However, there's a ceiling on what he can do for you, right? You won a couple more. It happened already. They're four and seven, right? They had a couple of ones that they squeaked out because he was in there and they didn't turn the ball over. But how good do you want to be? You're Matt Rule. How good do you want your team to be? PJ Walker was the best player in the XFL. That's not saying much, right? It was a short-lived return for the XFL, but he was clearly the best player in the league. And then he came in here, and we got a little mixed bag, right? We said he's going to make some mistakes because it's hard to come in against that defensive speed, but he showed you a lot more upside than Bridgewater could ever bring you at this stage in his career. So for me, I would put P.J. Walker in there the rest of the year because they're 4-7 and and they're probably not going to make the playoffs. I would say, listen, Teddy, we appreciate everything you did. Maybe next year if we make the team better around, we'll bring you back as the starter. But I want to see what the kid has. That's my opinion. Wow, John, you've got some hot coin. You are obviously on this quarterback list right now, and you got some hot takes for quarterbacks. Uh, very interesting too. This is a revenge game for Teddy Bridgewater against those Minnesota Vikings. I'm not gonna. I, I hate to say revenge game, but he's just going against an old team because I don't think that Teddy's got holds. It doesn't seem like Teddy Bridgewater is really the revengeful type. You know what I mean? 
No, he's not. He's not at all. You're you're exactly right. He's he's the type of guy that would just be happy they gave him an opportunity. Uh, you know, and they tried to keep him around as long as they could despite the devastating injury. So you're right. He he's not really a vengeful type guy. Uh, uh, the line did drop, and I got to mm-hmm. tell you the the key X factor in all of this is when you shut out a team, and Stafford played the whole game, right? Carolina defense shut him out. Uh, you're starting to say something about your coach and the way you're going to play for this guy, and you're kind of flipping the perception of the team, right? We knew they had some good offensive weapons, but they don't have McCaffrey, right? We already kind of knew that about Carolina. We knew where they stood. But everybody was saying, oh, their defense is terrible. Bottom three, bottom four. Uh, you better you better check those numbers, and you better check those stats. This Carolina defense is coming on. Uh, I do think Minnesota is going to get that win that they need. This is, you know, I usually have one pick that's right at the line every week. This is going to be my one pick at the line. So I'm going to take Minnesota in the fit picks, but I'm going to take Carolina to cover the spread and lose this game by a field goal. Okay, that, and that makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I've been struggling with this game all week long. I've had my eye on it, and it just hasn't really moved all that much to make a difference to me in my mind. And and the thing that pushes me over the limit, too, is that three and a half points, right? I, I look at this as being a field goal game somewhere in that neighborhood. And so I I can, I can I, I see Carolina staying within that field goal as well. That's what I'm trying to say. So yeah, I'm and also, take- also that over-under is like spot on. Everything mm-hmm. the Vegas did in this game. That's why they're geniuses. They got their mm-hmm. algorithms. You know, they're laughing at us. Us suckers yeah. trying to figure it out. They, you know, this over-under is spot on. If I if I laid it, I would have laid it at 50. They have it at 51 now. Um, so I think it's going to hover just like the line. Both of them are going to hover. I'm going to go under because I, I, I'm going to stick with what I said. I see a rise in this Carolina defense. I think they're mm-hmm. going to grind it out. It's going to be a tough battle. It's going to be a good game. I think people will enjoy this game if they get a chance to watch it on Red Zone. And and I know Minnesota got lit up, it feels like, against Andy Dalton and the Dallas Cowboys, but their their defense was better than that. And I know they've been coming on strong, so yes, I agree with you about the under as well. Indianapolis Colts, they are taking on the Tennessee Titans at home this time. So the Indianapolis is still at home this week, and they are favored by three and a half points against the Tennessee Titans. This game has dropped from four and a half to three and a half for the Colts, and the point total has gone up to 51 and a half. It started out at 49 and a half, John. Oh, the Colts are coming. They're in that situation. This this game has that situation written all over it. Indianapolis won a huge game last week, right? An emotional victory. Tennessee, back their backs are against the wall. They need a victory pretty bad, pretty bad. And and so I, I this is a tough game for me, but I still like the coaching. I like the game-playing ability, the big playmaking ability of the Indianapolis Colt offense to be able to beat those Tennessee Titans this week. You got me. You got me. I'm, I'm with you on this one because my initial instinct, I like to have one or two where I just turn my brain off and I just say, hey, they're going to even the score on this, right? Because the Colts beat them last time and they beat them up pretty good. Mm-hmm. And you think Tennessee is going to come in with a good game plan and they'll just even it out. That was my initial instinct. But I see 74% on Tennessee and I still see a little bit of room here. There's a little bit of a, a gap space for Indianapolis to squeeze in there. I got to go with you. I got. I have to go with the Colts with only 26% on them. We're going to go with Frank Reich. Uh, we'll get the mix and match running attack. Jonathan Taylor, big bounce back game. This yeah. past week he had some good downhill runs showing some physicality. Uh, the, again, they're using all the tight ends. They mix and match with the tight ends. Trey Burton had an athletic touchdown in that game as well. Phillip Rivers, you know, it's all about that leadership. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to point fingers. But I got in an argument with someone on Twitter before the season who tried to tell me that Tyrod Taylor was the answer for the Chargers and he would be a lot better than Rivers. And I just flew off the handle. 
You know, look, I, I don't come on the show, Wes, and I don't go on these other shows saying that I'm an expert on defensive line play. I'm not an expert on how to match up your safeties with other teams on defense, but I've been watching quarterbacks since I'm three years old. Legit. I have memories of watching Dan Marino against the Jets when I'm three years old. I know quarterbacks. And to, to insult me by saying Tyrod Taylor could play at the same level as Phillip Rivers, I don't care if Phillip Rivers is throwing lefty. He's, he knows the game better than Tyrod Taylor, and that's the key. That's the leadership. What he can see at the line and what he can control with his mind and his leadership and his experience is key for this team. So I'm going with you. I'm going with the Colts. Him and Frank Reich really seems to be getting on the same page right about now, and mm. that is proving to be very good for the Indianapolis Colts. Hey, you say that uh, 74% is on Tennessee? That's against the spread. 81% on the money line for the Indianapolis Colts. So I'm going to agree with you there. And I'm going to take the under because Tennessee, to me, just having a tough time moving the ball, getting the ball in the end zone. They're having a tough time figuring out things. Look, one of their bread and butter plays last year was uh, the uh, fake handoff and then a pass, so play-action pass. It's just not being able to happen this year for whatever reason. And I, I wonder if it's just that teams aren't as afraid of Derrick Henry because they're not afraid of uh, Tannehill at all, so they're not biting on that uh, play-action fake anymore. It's th the whole situation is tough. I think another thing that you got to throw a wrinkle in here is I think Tennessee's defense is overrated. Mm -hmm. You know, I think people think because it's Mike Vrabel and he has this background as a tremendous defensive player in his own right, and he's a physical, imposing type guy. I think people thought this Tennessee defense, after a good year last year and making a strong run and getting deep into the postseason, I think that the mindset was they kind of managed the game with their running attack and the play action, like you said, and then they lean on their defense. I don't think they can. I think that's the wrinkle here. I think their defense is actually, if you're gonna if you're gonna rank them, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find people outside of me saying they're not in the top 13 or 14. I don't think they're there. I think they're like number 20 or number 19 or number 18, just in my own personal ranking. So that's the wrinkle for me. I think that defense has become overrated. Yeah, the whole team looks tired to me, John, even Vrabel. Vrabel looks tired to me, too, now as I watch them. All right, so uh, let's go on to the next one. We have the Buffalo Bills at home facing the Justin Herbert-led Los Angeles Chargers this week, and Herbert has been coming in and making a, uh, making just a huge impact. Right now, I look at this as Josh Allen looking in the mirror going, wow, that's me like two years ago, you know? But he's he, he's got, he's more accurate than I was, is what it kind of looks like to me. We have the Buffalo Bills favored by five and a half points. That line has dropped by five points, and this point total is sitting at 53 and a half, which has gone up from the original 50 that it started out at. Tell me what's going to go on here, John. Well, I got to tell you, I got the chills just just even looking at the screen at Justin Herbert's name, the way that this kid is playing, right? I got a good up-close look against a fake defense because the Jets are, are in full tank mode, and they actually are starting a lot of rookies that have never even played before. So they, they are in full tank mode. Of course, you know they traded Jamal Adams. They traded McClendon. They traded Avery Williamson, all of their, their senior leaders on defense. However, just watching the way this kid stands in the pocket, the way that he makes the decision— there were a lot of throws that he made that were heavily guarded, but the ball was delivered perfectly. I mean, you're talking about this this arrival of this kid, of this rookie. This is the best I've ever seen a rookie play coming in cold, especially if you factor in coming in in a COVID year where they didn't get the reps. They had no preseason. There were no reps in live games. The kid just comes mm -hmm. in like a machine. So I, I'm like totally blown away by this guy. Uh, I just, just absolutely fantastic. I watched the game with my wife. As you know, she likes to watch the Jets games. And she was like, this guy's a rookie? 
she never seen we never seen anything like it. I mean, just he's just really fantastic. Uh, the line dropped uh, a half a point from six to five and a half. I think this is a no-brainer to take the Chargers to cover the spread. Uh, who's going to win the game? I'll let you take it here in the middle, and I'll think a little bit about who's going to win for the fit picks. But my pick with the spread is absolutely the Chargers to cover. Who you got? Wow, I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills uh, mm-hmm. to. Yeah, I'll take the Buffalo Bills not only to win this game but to cover that spread as well. I think this is one of those games where it's going to go back and forth, back and forth because Buffalo Bills they're kind of a pretender defense as well. They just haven't been able to stop a lot of teams, and I could see this point total just getting up there in the 30s. I need to check the weather on that before I before I go and make a, a prediction like that because you never know what the weather is going to be like in Buffalo. But if the weather's fine, I could just see these teams going back and forth, back and forth, and maybe Buffalo from that bye week. Even comes out a little bit flat, and the Chargers go up by a couple of touchdowns. The ball gets rolling pretty good there. The offenses keep going back and forth, and there's no way that the Buffalo Bills are going to be able to stop Keenan Allen this week, who has just been tearing it up. 19 targets last week, John, I believe a little bit. And so when I look at that, I can know I know also that Buffalo's got a lot of firepower themselves, and they can come right back at it with a Stephon Diggs. I'm not sure about John Brown's status at this point, right. but if even if John Brown doesn't play, I could see um, Josh Allen just taking over this game and getting even. I will take the over, and I will take the Buffalo Bills to cover that spread. Yeah, I mean, the only thing about Allen is I think he's probably going to draw Tredavious White, right, who is considered one of the better cornerbacks in the AFC. So, But what I like about the Chargers is the fact that they do have these two other guys who are difficult to guard, right? So we say Keenan Allen's a given, talking probably top five, top ten wide receiver in the league. He can do it all. Okay, you want to put your best guy on him? You want to double team him? There's not that much he can really do. He's going to have to work his butt off just to get open. That's not on him. That's just a defensive decision by the other team. But the other two guys now are starting to come on. Hunter Henry's been hot as a pistol the last couple of weeks. So he's looking like an elite tight end, maybe top mm-hmm. five or six tight end. And Mike mm-hmm. Williams is a good number two wide receiver because he can go get it up high and he gets a lot of explosive plays. So that's what I like about the Chargers in this game is if they decide the Bills to take Allen out of this thing, Herbert knows he's got other guys that he can go for. You know, So I, that that's the key is the flexibility. If they only had a, one other target that I had faith in, I probably would take Buffalo. But because they have those two guys, I'm going to stick with my instinct. I'm going to take the Chargers. Uh, I'm going to go. Let's go crazy with it. I'm going to take them to win the game straight up. I'm going to take the Chargers to win it by three. Wow. Uh, have you been in the eggnog already today, John? Because that, no, that one. No, sir. I have not. But I, I just uh, I feel like they're going to hang in this one. And they finally saw that they could win one. They got close last week. Keep that in mind. They lost a bunch of close games in a row. They finally got one against the Jets. The confidence is going to be up. And, of course, they have a lot of confidence in the kid anyway under center at this point. So I think now knowing they can do it, here's another one that's going to approach a close game. I think they're going to pull it off at the end. All right, next game, your New York Jets are at home versus the Miami Dolphins, and Tua Tagovailoa is labeled as the quarterback this game, at least for the first half, right? Maybe we'll see something a little bit different in the second half if they decide to make a change again. But undecided right now, quarterback for the Jets, I I guess maybe you could draw a little clarity for our listeners on that? Yeah, well, it's because Darnold's injured, right? That's why it's undecided. You know what? The real, (laughs) If you really want to have a good laugh, I, and we did close doors with the Giants, and of course I can give you that perspective here in New York. I, I'm reading every single article, hearing every single blip you could possibly hear on New York football. Uh, what's going on behind closed doors is the Jets are trying to figure out how to lose again, right? Which they've been doing a really good job. Let me give you a little tidbit of how good they are. They handpicked a rookie last week whose name is Lamar Jackson, right? Just by coincidence, and put him on Keenan Allen purposely with no double teams 
which is why Keenan Allen got 19 targets and had a monster game. Now, you can't tell me they're not losing on purpose. They handpicked him and said, you're going to guard the best receiver in the division, possibly the best receiver in the league, with one guy with no double team. So they're really smart in how they're, they're tanking these games. They're really getting deep into it. So they did that there. Now let's talk about this game. The problem they're having behind closed doors is they don't know who's worse, Flacco or Darnold. And I'm going to give you a sneak peek into my rankings, right? I have Joe Flacco as the 40th best quarterback in the NFL. I have Sam Darnold as number 41. I have Joe Flacco as a better quarterback than Sam Darnold at this point. And that's the same problem the Jets have behind closed doors. Either way, knowing they really want to lose and knowing Miami had a bad showing, I'm going to go with either quarterback. It's going to be a disaster against Miami's defense. So I got to take the Dolphins to win this by two touchdowns. 14-point victory for Miami. I almost see this as the players, uh, like like the Cleveland Indian. Remember that movie, uh, yeah. Major League? Major League. And and the owners wanted the team to lose so bad, yeah. and the players just didn't want to lose, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they, they, they started trying to win on purpose. Next thing you know, they're a playoff team. I mean, the Jets will never be a playoff team uh, in this environment. But it just seems like the players – don't want to be as bad as the ownership wants them to be. And they, they still leave a lot out there on the field, man. They certainly do. I mean, you saw it this week. They were getting blown out at the half. I mean, we were ready to give up on the game here in New York. And the second half, they came out guns blazing, taking shots down the field, hitting on long plays, looking like a real team. They got it down to one drive. The whole game came down to one drive. So, so you're right. They don't like to throw in the towel. The only problem is, again, I'm telling you, I'm starting to like the leadership that the Jets have because for the for the first time ever, I agree with the tank. I feel like this was the only way for them to go. They had to tank because they got to move on from Darnold and Flacco's not going to be the quarterback and they got to get a real franchise quarterback. So I agree. So having having said that, they did the matchup thing with the cornerback. I'll tell you another thing they did. When they were down, and this was embarrassing. This was bordering on embarrassing. When they were down three scores, they ran the ball in first and second down every time. Down by three scores. Until the third quarter, they ran it every time. No other team would do that if they were trying to win. You can't. You have to consider the fact that you're down 17 and there's clock considerations. You're only going to get a finite number of times where you get the possession of the ball, right? So they literally were running the ball to make sure that they stopped their team from playing too hard. They, could, they can't control that. Wow. The players can't control what the calls are. So they're, they're getting really good at it. So just look out for that. All right, I'm going to take the over in this game because it does seem like they do end up scoring some points on some Hail Marys and different things like that. I know that this is a low point total, and I know that the Miami Dolphins defense is is really good, and they could stop all the, they could stop the New York Jets, but the Miami Dolphins have got to score some points and got to get right in this one. I could see this one being like a 28-21 game or even less. Yeah, just 44 and a half is not very hard to cover in the NFL, especially when you have some outside receivers like the Jets do in Perryman and Mims. Yeah, uh, take me through your side. So I gave you my New York perspective. You're a Tua expert uh, with your college background. Um, tell me what's what what here. Let's start with this. What are your thoughts on his long-term availability or ability at the top as a number one quarterback? Is he an answer there? That's question number one. And do you decide now to flip back if you're Brian Flores? Go against your own coach speak where you said, "Oh, Tua is my guy." Do you go against it here if you don't get a good performance against the Jets? And do you ride out Fitz the rest of the year? You take it, my friend. All right. With Tua, he's a he's an inexperienced rookie, right? Mm-hmm. They lost everything around him. 
John. Uh, he doesn't have anybody really to throw the ball to. He doesn't have a lot of experience there, so nobody can really lift him up. They had that shot in the arm that very first week against the Rams, and the defense just played out of their minds. And I think that they've been riding on that emotional wave after Tua went in there of, we need to get better. We need to get better as a team and pick this team up now. And now that kind of reality has set in. And Tua is just not able to do many things on offense uh, right now because there's nobody around him offensively that he can lean on. Devontae Booker is not one of those number one wide receivers like we want to believe that he is. He hasn't been able to step up. The only time that he's really shown to me a lot of connection with a quarterback is whenever Ryan Fitzpatrick was in there and they were just kind of they were just balling, man. They were improvising, and they were having a great time doing it. And I think that they really need that shot in the arm now with Fitzpatrick being that leader and saying, guys, we're too tight. We need to YOLO. And I think that Fitzpatrick brings that to a huddle. Fitzpatrick brings that to the game. He's not scared to make those hard throws that end up turning into touchdowns. And I think Tua is just a little bit too tight right now. And as a rookie, it was great to get for this ride for two or three games. But if they really want to win, which I know Miami does, I think they're going to have to go back to Fitzpatrick. And their game plan needs to be, let's surround Tua with some more talent next year. I always appreciate an early Christmas present from my man Wes Easley, who once again has somehow dealt with the same names in the same fashion. You refer to him as Devontae Booker instead of Devontae Parker. So oh. now we have a three-headed monster. Now we have Devontae Parker, Devontae Booker, and Devin Booker from the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> maybe by the end of the season, we could add, like, maybe we'll have a starting lineup. So, so now we have, like, a point guard, a shooting guard, and a small forward. We got Devontae Booker at the point guard because he's a running back, so he's got to run the show. We got yeah. Booker at the shooting guard because that's oh, his position nice. in real life, Devin Booker. And then we got Devontae Parker because he's kind of a small forward type of guy yeah. at small yeah. forward. So maybe by the end of the year, you'll fill out a whole starting five of different Bookers, Parkers, Devontae's, and Devins. Well, I, I may, Tony Parker is not a bad <laughs> point guard either, you know, so we can put it. Hey, well, you guys get the idea. You get the gist of what I'm saying, right? Fill in the blanks. Fill in the names for me a little bit, okay? It's been a bread man week. I've worked three days in a row. Bread men aren't, works, aren't used to working three. Yeah, John, here's a, here's a question I wanted to ask you. I think I missed asking you this last week. Yeah. How many roles, okay? We use these brown and serve roles. How many brown and serve roles do you think I ordered uh, just for one of my routes, one of my biggest routes? How many roles do you think I ordered this yep. year for, for Thanksgiving? Just give me a little bit of context. How much comes in a package? Like, I just okay. need a little bit more information. Okay. Well, the, uh, well, there's 12 rolls to a package, okay? okay. And there's there's 16 packages to a case, okay? okay. I have a I have big stores here. Um, we, we, I guess we could say I'm on the, well, super, a Walmart here. I got a Publix here, different places like that. All uh, Dollar Generals. I don't know if you guys got Dollar Generals where you live or not. We got one on every street corner, it feels like here. Uh, not as many as they have in Louisville, I believe. They got one on every half street block right there in Louisville. But um, So do you have a guess? Do you have an estimate on that? The population here where I live is, is right around, uh, hovers right around 50,000. Uh, I have you down for 8,000, uh, cases, not cases, the other thing, packages. Okay. Okay. Packages, 8,000 total, 8,000 total. 8, I got you. So I have, I have you for 500 cases. Okay. Oh, wow. That's, that's a lot. Uh, uh, I actually only ordered 
and you got me all confused. <laughs> I ordered around twelve hundred, but you you're actually closer because I had this huge special order this year for three thousand rolls, which was like four and a half pallets full of rolls, and uh, that that was quite a bit. It filled up a bread truck. And we delivered them out to this place. It was a very strange environment. I thought it was a Mexican Mexican cartel or something. I didn't, wasn't sure that I was going to make it back to a podcast ever again, John. I was a little afraid, to be honest with you. But I got to drive a forklift. It was really a fun experience. I can't wait to go back out there again. Wait, so, so that uh, was three thousand right there. So I, I had to be pretty close. So take yeah, three thousand and add the rest. What's the what was this? Forty two hundred. Forty two hundred. Nah, I wasn't good enough. I I take the loss. I take the L on this one. <laughs> Well, you didn't. You know, you never seen them before. Eight thousand would have been quite a bit of rolls, but that's still a good number. Forty-two hundred. That's a very big number. One of the biggest roll numbers ever. So I've had to juggle a lot of things around in my head. So excuse me if I don't get my Devantes right and my Bookers right and my Parkers right. All right. Uh, you are excused, but it makes it fun anyway. I'd rather you not get them right. So it makes it fun for all of us here. Uh, and then listen, the the thing is, when I think about Tua, you know how you can build the offense to make it work and to keep you in games. But is that why you take a quarterback that high as a franchise pick? Do you take a guy? You know what I'm talking about. You mm. can build an offense with him as a lefty and his ability to roll out where you fake the handoff and then he rolls off the wrong shoulder and he finds a little bit of running room. And then you got the tight end running across the field and you throw the slant pattern. And then you take a guy like Jakeem Grant and you run some gadget plays the other way. You can easily build an offense where it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You try to stay one step ahead of the defense. You mix and match. You make them run. When two a season opening, say, all right, tuck it and go. Get out of bounds. You could. You could easily build the offense. But when you take a quarterback that high in the draft, is that what you're looking to do? Right? You're, look, you're looking to have a guy like Herbert where you, you just say, oh, let's, let's take this thing in a shotgun and make our receivers run and tell our quarterback to put it on his numbers. Just, just put the ball there. Right. That's really what you want from your franchise quarterback. So you agree with that about Tua? how you you kind of have to build the offense a certain way for this yeah. to work. No, you really do. And but and, and and you have an opportunity to do that. And I think that's what the Miami Dolphins are doing is they're trying to build something. And they thought they had a franchise quarterback, a once in a lifetime shot at Tua. And he has one of the better arms that I've ever seen. I do think that he's a little bit fragile, as it's said here at Christmas time. Uh, and and so. Whenever you see that, and I think that's part of what Herbert's whole uh, success has been, is that he has that guy that he can just throw it to. You know, when he drops back there, he finds a comfort zone. He has a big fella that he can throw it to, and now he's expanding that a little bit more with, like you said, with having Hunter Henry back there catching touchdown passes now all of a sudden, and then he has the guy he can just chuck it up to, Mike Williams, who might as well play a defensive back position at some time. He's he's going to go up there and try to get the ball, so he's got a lot of players that he surrounded himself with, and I don't think Tua has that, so I think the, it, the verdict is still out of how he's going to be a professional. Personally, I graded him out of college. I thought he was a one-read trick pony, my friend. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought he was. I thought he was a one-trick Reed Pony in college, and whenever he, he gets those happy feet, like I've seen him in Miami, and it's just something in college, NFL, NFL, you can't do that. The defenses are so big, so so strong, so fast that it's going to be really hard to make those kind of plays out of nothing in the NFL. I'll give you a little bit of context because I like to drop these hints on my list. I have Tua as the 26th best quarterback in the NFL, which I, wouldn't, which I wouldn't call high praise. I think that's pretty reasonable. And for a frame of reference, I have Fitzpatrick as 23. So that's where I stand on this. Okay. Oh, I went Brian Fitzpatrick, but I was, uh, I, I was picking, picking, uh, I was picturing your New York Jet 
quarterback in instead of Ryan Fitzpatrick. All right, next game. Next game. New Orleans. Uh, Tyson Hill as the quarterback, John, against Denver and the Drew Locke led. Uh, who are they? The Denver Broncos. <laughs> I got it now. Hey, I'm on a roll. The Denver Broncos. And right now, the New Orleans Saints are favored by six points against those Broncos who are playing at home. And that point total has dropped from 46 over to 43 and a half right now. Yeah, so I I like the spunk from this Denver team, right? And today's reversal day for me. I got to give Fangio some credit here. Your old uh, defensive coordinator there, right? He did some work with Chicago, if I recall. Um, they're, They're starting to come on. They're starting to play hard. Uh, by the way, shout out to my dad, Big Fro. His call of the week last week was Denver's going to knock off Miami straight up. He told me that before the game. He said, they got they got this thing locked. Wait until you see. And everybody was taking Miami. So good call by dad on that one. Um, so yeah, I like what I'm seeing from them. So I can't not take them with the spread. I have to, right? Double negative. I have to take them with the spread because it's only 37% on them and they're playing hard and you're playing against a backup quarterback. As much as we like Taysom Hill, we appreciate the effort. We appreciate the athleticism. I like that he came in and he played clean in his first game. I like what Sean Payton's doing with him. However, he's a backup quarterback at the end of the day. It's only 37% on Denver. Denver's a home team, and they're bringing a lot of heat on defense. They're turning up the blitzes now. They're coming with more energy and more attack. So I got to take Denver to cover the spread. Look, the Saints always find a way to win at the end of the mm-hmm. day. So the Saints are winning this game by three, but I got the Broncos to cover the spread. I'm right there with you on this one. I think it's an opportunity for Taysom Hill to come back down to reality a little bit and to actually make some mistakes. And, you know, in that Denver environment, which I think what happened to Miami a little bit last week, too, you just run out of air. You run out of gas, man. And in that Denver environment, that may be the case. And we always know New Orleans doesn't play that well outside anyway during uh, this time of year. So I, I'm with you. And the point total, that's a weird one, isn't it? It dropped down to 43 and a half. That's a low point total for an NFL game, especially one that involves New Orleans and a Denver team that really seems to light it up in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. Yeah, by the way, you saw a little bit of spunk from Melvin Gordon, right? I, mm-hmm. I got to say, I have to say, I've been watching him all year. He looks pretty good. I'm surprised they never just ran with him and just said, it's all you, buddy. Forget about Philip Lindsay. I know he's been in and out with injury. Um, and I know they like to pass the ball. No matter who plays quarterback, they throw the ball a ton, right? I don't know why the way that he's looked, he's looked pretty bouncy. He's an older guy who's taken a lot of carries. Older guy for running back, not older guy for the world. Uh, an older guy who's taken a lot of carries, who's taken a lot of hits, and he looks fresher all year from what I've seen, than I expected him to look. So I think that's, that was a mistake by Denver to not do this earlier on. Now that's my point in relation to this game. That's why you're seeing the line drop because you got three backs in this game who are going to get their touches. That's going to run the clock. And you got the Saints defense, which is now pretty clearly in the top five. They've gone to a new level playing lights out on defense. So you got the Saints D, you got Latavius Murray and Kamara running the ball. You got the Denver D playing better and you got Melvin Gordon running the ball. So you got five factors telling you that's why the line dropped in this game. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to take Denver and the under in this game. I got Denver and the under as well, John. And I think there's too many mistakes by the quarterback and that clock just keeps on ticking, but neither team can score. That's what I think. Yeah, so. it's true. All right. Listen, I'm going to give you a break, my friend, because I know it's it's been a long show. We're coming up on uh, two hours here. We got a nice super show for Thanksgiving. I'm going to take the lead. I'm going to sell us the games on the last right. four games here. And my man Wes is going to make the picks. Let's give him a little break. A little so rapid we got fire. All right. at 405, we got Nick Mullins. And the 49ers going to face the Rams, who are pistol hot right now. We got 55% of the action on the 49ers. 
and 45% on the Rams. It's a seven-point favorite for the Rams. They've gone up only a half a point uh, in one particular book to seven and a half, and the over-under in this game has dropped from 47 to about 45. Where do you stand, my friend? Uh, once again, the Rams are just red hot. I haven't seen the San Francisco 49ers be able to withstand any kind of punishment uh, from their offensive, uh, from from being able to hold off any defensive linemen like the Los Angeles Rams have. So I think that they're going to be able to get to the quarterback, and Nick Mullins likes to make mistakes after that has happened. I don't care what running backs they have back there. There's just not enough time in the pocket to be able to make some good decisions, to be able to have those dump-off passes, to switch lanes, to do anything. Look, the Rams are one of those teams that are very well coached and very well prepared. And they're not going to fall for all those shenanigans and hijinks that they see every day in practice that the Rams like to run themselves against the San Francisco 49ers. Still, the San Francisco 49ers beat up on defense as well. I am going to take the Los Angeles Rams in this game um, to cover the seven points because I just don't think San Francisco's in that same ball field as they are. I think it's going to be like that Green Bay game where the, the San Francisco 49ers just get ran out of the field. Yeah, I have to say this. I got to drop an early breadwinner for myself here. I absolutely, this is like the golden rule for me. If you have a top four, five, six defense against a quarterback you don't believe in, throw out all the offensive players, throw out the skill players, forget about it. I'm talking about betting wise, not fantasy. Betting wise, forget the skill players. Just say, hey, man, I know Nick Mullins is going to make three mistakes in this game, probably two interceptions and a fumble. That's what I know in this game. Therefore, if you have three turnovers against the Rams, they're going to get you by the end of the game. So breadwinner, I got the Rams to win this one by 14, two touchdowns. Um, so I'm with you on that. So going on to our final three games, here's the one that everyone's talking about. 425, Kansas City Chiefs going to Tampa Bay. Now it's becoming sort of a must win for Tampa Bay, right? Because the, it's looking a little bit disjointed. People are starting to question, is Tom Brady maybe too old? Uh, is it not clicking with the offensive lines? A lot of questions there. So with that being said, it's only 38% on the Bucks, despite being a home game. 62% on the Chiefs. The line is three-point favorites for Kansas City. It has gone up to three and a half on half of the books, and the over-under has jumped three points from 53 to 56. Who you got, my man? On again, off again. On again, off again. Right. That's all. That's what I always feel about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Some weeks they got it, some weeks they don't. Whenever you face those Kansas City Chiefs, your offense doesn't have to be up to par 100%, right? Because their defense just doesn't uh, just doesn't take hold each and every game. But the one thing that they do have is a spectacular offense that will be negated a little bit by those cornerbacks for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I don't think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be able to negate that enough. And the Kansas City Chiefs are going to, once again, make Tom Brady a little disappointed in this outcome. So I will take the Kansas City Chiefs, the three and a half, uh, I'll give up three and a half points. And I will take this as an under, John, because that, that uh, line has gone up for the total for the game from 53 to 56. Yeah. How's our man JB doing with the Bucks? I didn't want to text him <laughs> after that. No, I'm, I'm serious. I'm really serious because I know you guys did a show earlier this, earlier this week. Uh, that last interception from Brady was brutal uh, against, it was just like against the Rams. It was really awful. Uh, I was like, this is like concerning to me about the progress and, and where this team is headed. How is he, what's, what are his thoughts right now? Because he's more of an expert on the Bucks than we are. I actually, I haven't talked to him. <laughs> Since since that game happened, I, I would imagine he's a little disappointed uh, in his Buccaneers. But you know, you, you got to be realistic too, and it's one of those season long things. So I, I would imagine he's being a re- little bit realistic and realizing this team has potential, but maybe they just haven't put it all together yet. And can we not find some kind of additional setup 
for Bruce Arians and this uh, and the headphones? Can we not? I mean, he's wearing a garage door opener on his on his. What? That's worse than me carrying around an S4, isn't it? Yeah, that's way worse. It's it's like a clown show. It's like distracting. I'm trying to watch football. I'm not trying to watch a sideshow on the <laughs> sidelines. You know what I mean? So I'm with you on that. And unfortunately, I hate to agree. We've been agreeing the last few games. I have to agree. I just feel like if it gets down to it and we got to sling this thing around in the fourth quarter and somebody's got to step up and make plays, I just feel like across the board it's the Chiefs. I, I don't have, despite it being 62%, and this goes back to our old maxim, don't fall into a trap, right? I like the Colts because it's only 26% on them. Sure, I like that. There's a couple other games where the percentages show I should go that way. But this one, I'm going with my gut. It's 62% on the Chiefs, but I got to go with it. I feel like if the going gets tough, that's the team that's going to come out the other end with a smile on their face. I totally agree with you. Come on. Come on. You want to set me up? Go ahead. Set me up, big boy. Set me up. We got a big doubleheader to close it out. We got our Sunday night game and our Monday night game. Sunday night, Chicago Bears, Wes's team, undecided at quarterback. Is that correct? You're going to have to enlighten me on that. And uh, the Packers are at 57% right now, which I'm surprised by. I thought maybe there'd be more action on them. Packers are eight and a half point favorites, and the over-under sits comfortably at 45 points in a division rivalry between two of the oldest teams in the NFL. Take it away, Loaf. All right. I I don't know why that's undecided. And mm. I'll tell you why. Because sometimes I, I have these attachment issues, okay? Mm. And either, hey, you're my best buddy, or B, I just have nothing to do with you. And right now, I just have nothing to do with the Chicago Bears because it will consume me. This is a holiday week. I'm supposed to be thankful for things. I am thankful for sports. I'm just not thankful for my Chicago Bears right now. And this is the game that I said about three weeks ago, John, that the Bears players were waiting for, okay? There's only one way to get Nagy fired and to maybe show Ryan Pace the door as well, their general manager. And that is to lose against the Green Bay Packers and to get stomped. When coaches come in there, when general managers come in there, their one job is to beat the Green Bay Packers. Sure, winning a Super Bowl sounds good. Sure, making the playoffs sounds good. But if you do not beat the Packers, you are on thin ice with the McCaskies, who are the owners and been owners for a long, long time. So this is the game that I believe. This is my prediction. This is my feelings. This is my thoughts that the Chicago Bears players, just like they did against the Minnesota Vikings, who was another interdivisional rival, the second highest interdivisional rival in this, in this, uh, for the Chicago Bears, they just rolled over and played dead. Mm-hmm. The players did. They're going to do the same thing against this Green Bay Packers team. I picked the Green Bay Packers by 100. I don't oh, care. Oh, hey, you're taking one out of my book. Go against your own team with a 100-point spread. I like that. I don't uh, care. I, I have the update for you, too. Bears coach Matt Nagy said the team is still evaluating – the statuses of both yeah. Nick Foles with a hip and glute injury and Mitchell Trubisky with a shoulder injury for week 12 against the Packers. There's some funny writing here uh, from Jeff Dickinson on Twitter and also at Motorworld. They wrote after that whole sentence, they wrote some choice he's got to make right there <laughs> between those two guys. And they had a funny line at the end. Tyler Brave replaced Foles in the fourth quarter of week 11, launching four incompletions directly to the sidelines, but would be the fallback option if neither of these quarterbacks can go. So it's, it sounds like to me, like if, if it's Tyler Brave, we got to take the Packers to win by 150. But if it's not, here's my caveat. If it's either one of the other two guys, I'm going to go with the Bears defense here to just keep them in it because the Bears defense never quits. You might see some issues on the offensive side of the ball. We agree on that. The Bears defense never quits, no matter who the coordinator is, no matter who the coach is. 
So, you know, Hicks and, and Mack and those guys. So if it is one of the two main quarterbacks, uh, obviously the Packers are going to win the game. I'm going to take the Packers to win it by four, which means the Bears will cover. If it is Bray, I'm going to take the Packers to win by 126 points. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. That's All fair. Right. That's okay. All right, let's let's round it out. Big Monday night game, not really that big, right? Not big, mm-hmm. except for the fact that he probably was the most talked about player in the NFL this week, and that's Carson Wentz, who who looks like the wheels have completely come off. Carson Wentz looks like the long lost brother of Sam Darnold right now. That's that's the type of football that he's playing. Um, so we got Seattle at sixty four percent on them, going at Philadelphia, thirty six percent on them, and the Seahawks line of three points has jumped already too points to minus five. So nobody's surprised by that. It went from minus three to minus five. The over-under has dropped three points from 53 to 50. Who you got, Wes? And that means that the Vegas has changed their mind as well, just like you did, and said Seattle's defense looks really good right now. And so the Philadelphia Eagles aren't going to be able to move the ball. They're not going to be able to score. Carson Wentz does not look like that quarterback that we all really enjoyed watching at some point. And and by the way, can I say this? And uh-huh. I, I don't I, I don't mind tooting my own horn, but it's just not something that comes real naturally. Uh-huh. I was talking about Carson Wentz being benched earlier this year as somebody who just needed a timeout. You know, and he put it all on his shoulders, and and I thought there was too much pressure on him. Philadelphia's backs are against the wall. They are going to be at home, and if there were boo birds, if the boo birds get let loose, they're going to be booing by the end of this game because Seattle, they they could just come in here and have a great Monday night and just completely clean Philadelphia's voting system up with <laughs> with their with their play. Uh, and Russell Wilson will be cooking definitely in those Philadelphia kitchens this weekend. I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks to cover this point spread, and uh, it, I, I'll take the under. Yeah, well, I mean, two things on this game. We could wrap it up with a general conversation. Number one, why do you think it is that they haven't gone to Jalen Hurts? What do you think it is? that Wentz is still the starting quarterback when they're in a year that's a lost season anyway. Whoever mm-hmm. comes out of that division is not beating one of these high-quality teams. Only only your Giants have the chance, if they get the right draw, to play a close game even in the playoffs. Right? I, they're not going to win. No, no, no matter who wins that division, they're going to be bounced from the playoffs. Right? So knowing that that's the situation, and you're still you're an outside shot, even Philadelphia at this point, the way they're playing. It's anybody's game. It's a 25% chance for all four teams. That's how I feel. So why wouldn't you, being that you drafted Jalen Hurts relatively high, why haven't they made the switch? Or at least give him one game and see how he does. Even if it's a disaster and he's not ready, just give him one game and throw it out. It's it's not like you're going to be mathematically eliminated even if you lose. Why do you think they've been holding on to Wentz? So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably viewed as being a little bit of hater of my uh-huh. teams, and that's probably the Chicago Cub in me. But uh-huh. let me just say this. When Derrick Henry came out of college, I thought he was going to have a great professional's career. M- Mark Ingram, the same way. Uh, when Damian Harris went and got drafted by the New England Patriots, I said, man, that guy has got some of the best feet as a running back that I've ever seen. He just really has choppy feet. He's able to uh, get between the lines and get between those big offensive linemen and just have a great game. And he, he doesn't have breakaway speed, but he'll get you 100 yards, and that's what he's proven to do here in the NFL. Um, and here at quarterback, all right, I, I've given my take on Tua. And the Jalen Hurts is not that great of a quarterback. He wasn't that great of a quarterback at Alabama. He did great as a freshman, didn't progress as a sophomore. Progressed a little bit more, and you could see some talent producing there. But then when he went to Oklahoma, it just kind of seemed like it was maxed out. 
and he doesn't have a lot of zip on the ball. He doesn't have a lot of fire on that. Yes, he can run the football, but he's not as fast as he looks. He's just not as fast. He doesn't have. Do you, so, come, in, do you come in and make that adjustment, though? Do you come in and say, hey, why don't we just show the teams a different look? Let's come yeah. in with a full running attack. Do you, do you think about doing something like that? I think that you could if the if you have a squad built good enough around him to be able to do that with, and I don't know that they do. I know that Miles Sanders is there to be able to run that RPO, but maybe that offensive line isn't built to be able to do that. I don't know that that offensive line is built to do anything with the pressure that Carson Wentz feels each and every week. So it might be one of those things where you're sparing Jalen Hurts' life, to be honest with you. Yeah, and you know that's a great point that you make about the offensive line because if you went back, not even to last season, if you went back to early in the preseason, I think we all thought they had a top five offensive line because Brandon Brooks is one of the best, right? If you go mm-hmm. to, you know, JB loves his uh, his site there, uh, Pro Football Focus, ranking all the players. They always have Brandon Brooks as a top guy. He gets voted to the Pro Bowl. He went out for the season before they even started the year. So that's number one. Lane Johnson, who's another guy who's considered elite on the offensive line, he's been in and out of the lineup all year with various injuries. He's also advancing in age. So the the key point about that is we think we know things about these units before the year, but things change faster in football than any other sport, right? So you you t- just like we've seen some of these defenses come on that we weren't expecting and become an elite group overnight in one year. Same thing happens with the offensive lines. You think you know about them, but you don't know. So they, they have definitely weakened. They've gone from a top five to more like middle of the pack at best with the injury. So that's a problem for them. And then as far as the game goes, right, the second aspect is I got to tell you, this game is screaming suckers bet. It's screaming suckers, suckers bet. I told you about Sports Insight here. They have that middle column that says buy pick. I, I never do it. I wouldn't want to do it. But I already know why they pick those games. Looking at the two that they have down for a buy pick, right, for the Sunday games. Forget about Thanksgiving. It's pretty obvious to me they have buy pick for Atlanta uh, in Vegas. They're going to tell you to take Atlanta because the suckers are going to take Vegas, right? Same thing here. Buy pick Seattle, Philadelphia. They're going to tell you to take Philadelphia because everybody's going to take Seattle. But I can't do it because I don't see any evidence that Philadelphia can put it together. So I got to still, I still have to go with the football aspect and take the Seattle Seahawks. All right, I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks too and the under, and you'll have to explain to me at some point in a text what I need to do with that Green Bay game because I started writing down all your little caveats here and I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I got it. I understood what he said. I'm just kidding. John, good super show. That was a super show. That'll carry everybody through until next week, my friend. Great job. Thank you, my friend. Always my pleasure. Listen, all the best to the family. Uh, it's been a tough year for all of us. Uh, I know a lot of us have lost loved ones or they've been in difficult situations. So everybody take a moment, sit down and enjoy those games, have a nice drink, have a nice turkey, and just you know take a look around the room and, and appreciate what you do have. And uh, especially to you, my friend, uh, wishing you the best at this holiday season. Well, you too. And, and as you look around that room, think about people who may not be there, who may be wishing they really were, and make that phone call, make that FaceTime call, whatever you need to do to be able to include others as well. And don't forget, to include John in your Twitter handle at Legend Sports Seven on Twitter. Also look for the show at FI Today with a little underscore. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Loafinit. When you follow everybody at, at uh, FI Today with a little underscore underneath the bio are all the different hosts on the Fantasy Impact Today network that keeps growing more and more. Special shout out to our winner as well for the Mugs Fly contest for the ultimate breakfast giveaway, and we're going to be doing that again very very soon. Head over to Anchor FM. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Slash 
slap those stars around, but more importantly than all those actions out there, Fit Family, we want to encourage you to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 